Welcome to the Joy of TV Podcast, Episode 7. I'm Rich Lapore, Jordan Alseka. Kevin Schaefer. And we are here uh, to talk about a themed episode this time, or to, to have a themed episode this time. We're always going to be talking about the shows that we've been watching recently. Um, we're always going to talk a little bit about TV news. But this time, we're going to be talking about our favorite characters from all of TV, which is kind of a huge topic. Uh, I think, Jordan, you came up with this one, so why don't you uh, lead it off? Uh, well, yeah, I just we, we had the idea to talk about our to-do themed episodes again, uh, because we, we always used to do them for the gaming, and gaming got delayed, and we've, we've had a rough theme of talking about favorite doing film reviews, and then also doing TV uh, previews and favorite comics of the year, but uh, we, there's a lot to talk about in these topics, and, and really, gaming topics were always the most fun, so... Uh, we're bringing that back in gaming. We're bringing it to the other podcasts. And so uh, in addition to reviews of specific uh, things and looking at what shows are coming this year and into the year specials, we're going to have themes where we look at certain aspects of TV, film, and comics. Uh, and so favorite characters seemed like a good place to start. Uh, it was originally... Oh, I think with TV, so that you think characters right away. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a medium that allows for, especially lately, allows for, uh, you know, the characters to have, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six seasons to develop. I mean, they, you know, and the best thing about a character in even a movie is, you know, they start in one place and they end in another. So watching that progression, watching how the character evolves, I think is really, uh, you know, a good, what makes a good character in many ways, which we'll probably talk about as we discuss the individual characters. And TV just lends itself to that. Yeah, serialized storytelling, um, and it lets characters, yeah, develop over years. Sometimes that can run a little long when shows get dragged out or be cut short. That's or always like, the trick with TV. Yeah, like um, let's let's say, you know, they always talk about, was it Moonlighting, which is the one with Bruce Willis and... Uh, Moonlighting, yeah. Yeah, where, where and, and they also sort of reference this when they talk about Castle. And that is, you know, when that show just finally decided to put the two main characters together, Moonlighting, um, you know, it was a decision that, kind of some people say killed the you know dramatic tension of the show and so certain choices that they make with characters because it's been a while you know it's like if there's a will they won't they story about two characters for a long time and nothing ever comes of it you know it's kind of like well you know eventually something has to change and then when it does it might not be good for the chemistry of that show and castle is another example of when like they got the two characters together and then they had to decide do we keep them together is this still interesting so sometimes it can get a little long in the tooth as well so it is a double-edged sword in that way uh, yeah. So originally we were going to do our, our favorite characters like as a top three with some runners-up. But uh, <laughs> but leave it to us. Yep. Well, there's a lot of TV characters and it's a hard list to compile. So we instead... And, and, comparing, and comparing comedy to drama. You know, comparing good guys to bad guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just it's like night and day. Yeah. Um, I disagree on the com- comedy drama thing. Yeah. I always have. Okay. I, I feel like uh, comedy gets the short shrift. And I think it's unfair because I think it does have some of the most complex characters. Well, oh, well, I don't those think are, it's those are the those are in more recent days. You have shows like Orange Is the New Black and Transparent, which were originally labeled comedies, but are just as dramatic and and and, and complex as anything. But I mean, I think if you take like Full House and try okay, to well, and try to compare it, or you know, and try to compare it to you know Lost, I mean, I just think it's I think night that's and day. cherry picking a little. There are shows that have a lot of deep, you know relevant, resonant characters. Like, you know, you can look at animated shows like The Simpsons or, you know, shows like Cheers and Frasier or Seinfeld that have complex... You know, no, I, they're complex they're different, in different ways. Though, yes. so that's but I, I don't they're... like the dramatic is inherently better argument that oh, seems no, to come no, no, not, not at all where I'm coming from. I know, I agree with you, Dre. I just think... But yeah, no, I do like separating them just for the simple fact that, like, the storytelling 
Well, it's just there's different. You love the characters, I think, for different reasons a lot of times. And like I, I, like you were saying, I mean, it's comedy, especially today, have these really rich, complex characters, and that's what I love how it's evolved. But yeah, it just it, for me, it does help to kind of separate them just so because um, you look at them in different ways. I, I'll agree to that, but I, I think what I didn't like about your comparison is you're comparing a comedy from 20 years ago to a drama from today. Dramas were not as complex 20, 30 years ago as they are today. Oh, oh no, but, but, I'll, but I'll say um, that that's that's true. Um, but I'll say, you know, compa- compare uh, a drama from... I mean, even, even talking about... Compa- um, uh, I was just trying to draw to show the most exaggerated example. Sure, but but it, but there's a there's a lot to be said for the fact that you generally comedies are a half hour format. Not always, especially lately. A lot of see a lot of these rules have changed just recently. You know what I mean with a lot of this stuff. Uh, a lot of t- and a lot there's been a lot more room for actors to really develop complicated, interesting, fascinating, deep characters that go through a lot of emotional turmoil in recent years. Whereas that didn't happen nearly as much in comedies in the past. Even ones that I think, like, you're probably thinking of, like, Boy Meets World or something. Sure, that had good characters. I just don't think they're comparable. Like, that's a best-in-class comedy to you, I think. And I don't think that's comparable to the best-in-class dramas, even of its era. I would disagree. I understood. I'm I'm just saying that there are a lot of dramas that are just as episodic as comedies and had a lot of reset-to-zero type storytelling, Mm -hmm. even then. So, yeah, I mean, if you take prestige-level... Um, I mean, it wasn't until what HBO started doing in the yeah. late 90s that these shows really started to develop in the way they have. Yeah, so, I, I see your point. I, see I don't your know. Point. But we broke it up. We have dramatic, comedic characters, hero and villain, uh, supporting and relatable, closet pick, and animated. We'll talk a little bit more about what each of those means as we go through. Uh, but as always, we've got some news to start us off. We're going to do just a little bit of news this time um, because we just did our San Diego Comic-Con episode, which has a ton of of comic book, mm-hmm. TV show related news, uh, and also some other things like American Gods and all the trailers that were shown in Legion and for all you know all of that stuff. So if you really want to dig deeper in onto the news and the current events, we just dropped the San Diego Comic Con 2016 episode, which came out as kind of a Joy of Geek all inclusive episode. Could easily have been called TV. Could easily have been called film. Could easily have been called gaming. Um, and strangely, the least of which it could be called comics, even though it's any new Comic-Con, although, or the most, depending on which way you look at it. Sure. Um, but we, um, we have a lot of new, we have a lot of really cool news there if you want to check out what's happening. But there were two stories that happened relatively recently, um, that I think are interesting to discuss. The first of which is Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, which I've actually lapsed on this, not because it's not one of my favorite shows of all time, because it is, but because I was watching it with somebody and, uh... Excuse me, that person hasn't been around lately, um, and so they moved out of town, so I haven't had a chance to watch the last couple seasons with them. Mm. Um, that said, I think I may just go ahead and do it soon, but it gets... it gets. Uh, anyway, I've seen through season three, so I've mm. seen like as bad as it gets, I think, or maybe it gets worse. Oh, Who knows? No. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I knew that, I knew that was a dangerous statement. But uh, what's interesting to me is, you know, obviously with season six, especially a little in season five, but especially season six, I understand mm. that the show went in its own direction. Yeah, uh, away from the books because it had to out of necessity because right. storms of winter or whatever it's no what is Wind it called? Winter. Winter is a winter it just isn't coming out right um, and so because of that the show went its own way and now with season seven and season eight there were rumors that those seasons were going to be curtailed and they were like we're getting down to you know DB Weiss and whoever the other guy was uh, the David r- Benioff Benioff thank you uh, we're saying that. You know, these last two seasons, we're, we're really getting down to our last 13 ep- or so episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and these might be shortened seasons, and everyone's like, oh, I don't think anybody even realized, like, how serious that is. That's a big deal. No, and is, so yeah. now they've confirmed... 
that season seven will be seven episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they also confirm that season eight will be the last season. Right. So it's really interesting to me, this choice. What do you think uh, about about this choice? You know, I mean, uh, yeah, that Jordan, you guy, uh, like, I don't um, watch Game of Thrones. Right, yeah. Uh, I've, honestly, I, well, I've caught bits and pieces. My girlfriend still watches it. Uh, I, Does she still like it? Yeah. I mean, she's read all the books. Uh, I don't... I, I stopped after season four. I just was got tired of everyone dying. And it's, Everyone's it's, good <laughs> dying, yeah. And honestly, yeah, at this point, there's no one left I even cared about, so I didn't see the point in continuing to watch. I mean, not, not that it's poorly made. I just was like, eh. On it, and I heard I season that five was wasn't that good either. Um, so I've heard season six is better, but eh, I, I've had I that just had that before, though, where it's like everyone's watching it, and that. But unless, I mean, that's a good point. Unless you're really invested in the characters that are still there, it's hard to really to stay invested. And I understand that. Um, and so but, especially that show is the ultimate example of that right, too. Right. I mean, that show tested you from the very first season, and 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 its main character thing that happened to that main character. Right. Right. For me, what I really like about this direction is that it states that they have a clear ending in mind. And, I mean, you know, I, I know that George R. Martin has already handed them outlines for how he's going to end the series, you know. And um, even though he, he still has another book to write after Wins of Winter, whenever that comes out. Um, and so he had it. But even then, you know, the show and the books have gone in their separate ways. He still handed them, you know, how he's going to end and who will be on the Iron Throne, I guess. Um, but I like that, the, you know, they have a clear ending in mind. They have a direction and they are not going to cater to fan appeal for to fans who just want it to go on forever or want all the spinoffs or anything like that. You know, it's like, I have a lot of respect for in this Well, spinoffs age, haven't been ruled out. They this, haven't been ruled out, news, but like, the, and that's the, okay. I mean, that's a spinoffs I'd be fine with, but like, boys, I like that. Boys is, is the is the current HBO guy, and he's yeah. and he's saying, just to, just to comment on the spinoff thing, sure. he's saying that, that there's nothing specific to announce yet. Sure, sure. So it's very open. Right, but, right. Ahead, and, saying, and that's okay. You, you like what? But yeah, I mean, I mean, I just like that they have a clear ending in mind, and as far as the shorter season thing, I mean, well, I mean, I, really, you look at even some of the better seasons of... Um, you know, in some of the books, there is a lot of just heavy exposition and a lot. Especially I mean, the books. You know, oh, yeah, well, and, and I mean, even Daenerys, like, it's just, it takes her forever to like, you know. Assume, I mean, it it's, makes sense. It takes her that long to assemble a formidable army to get to Westeros, but it's like, come on, get on with it, you know. Yeah. And so the fact that it's shorter means that, or I, I hope it means that each episode will really have a solid purpose um, in my and. Um, we'll really get the story going. Do, and Do you think we're looking at six for the final? For, uh, for season eight? Wait, what? You think we're talking about six episodes for season eight? Oh, that would make sense. I can't, I mean, because I think five or four would be too short. Yeah. So I, I would really a season at that point. I mean, I'm sure yeah, people have done it. Sure. Just look at the UK, although those I, are usually longer a, episodes. Six is usually fair. I mean, that would, you know, seven and six, that's fair. Okay, yeah. interesting. I mean, that is what they kind of bandied about. Right. That's what it's gone to. I just, I just, uh, even though I haven't been watching it, it's sure. kind of like to hear that the end is so nigh is. I know eight it episodes is, is a lot, but at the same, well, t- I mean, eight it's... seasons is a lot, but at the same time, for that show to ever end, you know, it's almost like man, this is such a beautiful show. It's so weird. It's just because I mean, you know, I mean, I didn't really. I was one of many didn't you know find out about it and start. I mean, I read some of the books, but didn't start on that until after the show sure, came out sure. and all that. Um, but you think about. For uh, fans who have been invested in this since the 90s and all that when the f- books were first published 
I mean, this has been such a huge part. And it's of the their closest life. thing of an to an ending yeah. that they've gotten that they'll that they'll get in the yeah. next couple of years. Yeah, and that's and that must be really crazy for you know. Yeah. I mean, because as big as the phenomenon it's been in mainstream culture, just imagine what it's like for the really hardcore fans. It's a really good point. But anyway, um, moving moving forward to our other news story, um, this is one that you guys will have to talk more about than me because I'm not caught up on the Supergirl mythos, but I understand there's been some uh, news in the Supergirl world. Well, uh, so basically, what it, it, and this came out kind of at San Diego, but a lot of news stories don't get really fully mm-hmm. reported to later, is uh, there's the massive crossover event between all four CW shows that now include Supergirl, uh, and they're talking about how Supergirl is going to be coming to the other shows, mm-hmm. and that the threat that that is going to cause the crossover sounds like it's going to be coming from outside either universe and be some a multiversal threat, which makes sense if you're going to have Supergirl show up in it. Uh, what this exactly means is still pretty open, yeah. Uh, but it, it's another piece of news about what's going to be the biggest TV superhero event ever. Pretty much. Certainly the one with the most shows crossing over. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Uh, Before this, there's been like one episode crossovers between different shows. I mean, even just last season with Supergirl and The Flash. Um, But Legends didn't exist a year ago, so we've only had Arrow-Flash crossovers up till now. Were there ever ones with Arrow and Flash and Supergirl? Uh, No, no. Flash and Supergirl crossed over in an episode of Supergirl, but that was it so far. Because she was still on CBS last season. Right, right, right. Okay. And you just think about how much is coming to the Arrowverse in uh, in the fall. We've got, of course, Flashpoint is going to have an impact on really all the shows because Barry has altered the timeline. Um, And then the, um, what is it, Legends of Tomorrow, the, what's the villain week in it? Uh, the, the, The Legion of Doom? Legion of Doom, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Justice Society, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, they're the, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, there's allies, not villains. Well, but. yeah, I know, yeah, I know, but like, um, but just so a lot more is being added to the mythology than ever has in, before in this universe, so it's really cool to see that happening, and to see how it all, will all play out is, I think, really exciting. That's cool. Uh, but also I saw, uh, just glancing online, I saw an image of a new Superman. We do. So yeah. What is going on? Well, so Superman was a big part of Supergirl season one without ever actually appearing <laughs> with an actor. There were, like, the sun was very bright, and so he was in shadow, or he appeared at a distance. Or, most famously, they, they were pretty big IM pals and were uh, chatting <laughs> over the internet a few times. Well played. Well played. Uh, it was a bit cheesy and corny, and I don't know entirely why they did it. I, I guess just, it's always been kind of this weird rule about not letting characters appear both on the film and on the small screen... Uh, mainly with Which Batman and dumb. Superman. I think it's dumb though because it's like I, I like to see multiple interpretations. Well, I mean that's it's it's also history because yeah. that can't happen anymore. Uh, it's just there's too much. I mean we got the Flash now. Yeah. Uh, we've got Superman now. Uh, I mean it's just not really possible to take you know some of your key your most key players. Once your DC Universe TV presence has four shows, you're gonna have to use some of the big characters. Right. You're gonna have right, to. right. Um, I you know. We'll see. It's hard to say. It looks like it'll be... I really I mean, don't know anything about the actors. Rich was asking about it before we start recording. I don't know. Anything's... In he it looks good. I mean, yeah, he looks the part. I don't anything know. is likely to be an improvement on Henry Cavill, in my estimation. <laughs> oh, right. wow. So, yeah, yeah. That's some uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say I'm excited to see what this version of Superman does, and they've already... They've talked about a Supergirl, Martian Manhunter, Superman fight scene. That would so be that'll awesome. be cool. Yeah, All I have to say is that it seems like Every time there's like a 
sort of a more flippant choice made to pick a character's like the role that they're playing. I'm not expressing this well, mm-hmm. but it seems like like uh, like I bet you, I, I would bet ninety percent odds that people are going to love this Superman, and everybody's going to say, "Oh my god, right. that should have been the Superman in the movies." I also, you know I'm, I, mean? I I'm, just bet that's going to happen. Well, I'm glad too that they picked kind of a no name actor to play. Same this. way, Flash. Man, it, that should exactly. be the Flash in the like movies. they're like, "Oh, they got someone from Glee. Oh, that's going to be horrible." And Grant Gustin is everyone's favorite. Right. So I, I have hope. Uh, so we'll see with that. Um, I think you know it would it would be different if the DC movies didn't suck and people yeah. could get attached to them. But yeah. Suicide Squad's coming this week, and I hope. I think Suicide Squad is going to be interesting. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a ten out of ten. I don't want to be. Over- I think it's going to be an conscious. interesting podcast next time. Okay. Yeah, I do uh, too. I think it's going to get uh, pretty heated, especially on the subject of the Joker. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we'll all get bowled over by his damaged self. The more I, the more he talks about preparing. The more anyone from that movie, it's anyway talks about preparing for their roles. It's been just like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly not light. I mean, apparently David Ayer is insane. <laughs> what, what, what did he say? Well, he didn't news. say anything, but, uh, you know, Cara Delevingne, Delevingne, mm-hmm. you know, she, to get in character, was like walking around the woods naked, howling like a wolf, and uh, Jai Courtney took mushrooms and was like, I forget, he did something else. Oh, Owen was self-inflicting burns to get into character. So it sounds like it was, it was a messed up set in general. Uh, but. Uncool. Uncool. Anyway, we'll see how we'll see if the if the uh, ends justify those means. If anything could justify mm-hmm. those means, that's what um, I've been saying for months. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, I think it's going to be interesting. I know. I know everyone's going to love Harley Quinn. That I know. I mean, it's pretty hard to take mm-hmm. her and, and what we've seen so far and and mush it down into anything less than awesome. So we'll see. We'll we'll see. It'll be an interesting. It's only a few days out for us here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for the brief few bits of news. Uh, now we're each going to talk about a show we've been watching. Uh, Rich, what have you been watching? Okay, so I'm going to talk about Mr. Robot a bit. Uh, I did do a big uh, review of the uh, premiere uh, of this new season. And um, right after I'd watched the premiere, I was a little bit, you know, I don't know, a little worried for the for the future of the series. And it wasn't loving, you know, the, the, the character death and that there was. And... Um, you know, a little, just a little worried in general about the new direction of the show. I think I left the first season that way too, though, especially once I saw the previews for the second. I still gave that episode an 8.5, and there's a lot of great things that they set up that I thought they could pay off really well. Um, in this second episode, I don't want to go too far into it because I am going to be writing my review of it, and I don't want to sort of commit myself to ideas and then later be like, oh, actually, I said that on the podcast, but <laughs> actually, now I'm feeling like I liked it. But I will say... I mean, the first impressions are fine. Yeah. You can ruminate on it and shade. Yeah, I would, say, I would say that... I just don't want to complicate the process too much. I will say that I'm really getting worried about the fact that uh, I feel like it's almost like uh, Sam Esmail has been given a little too much rope. Um, I feel like that episode, second episode clocking in in an hour and a half with commercials is... That I'm seems not- like what they're all doing, though. Because uh, the third all episode's long? the same. Really? It's, it's an not, hour and a half. It's too long. Really? I think it's more... I mean, these are episodes... These are long episodes. The first season were, you know, 50-plus minute sure, episodes. Sure, sure. So, uh, I didn't watch it live. Maybe they were condensed with less commercials there. But it just seems like maybe there's more commercials now than there... It is... 
an inherently longer episode. The premiere was longer. That was two episodes put together. Well, no, this no, this this is definitely it. it feels long to me. I mean, maybe not, but maybe maybe not. It, maybe maybe they were getting so subsidized in the first season. But also another thing that kind of bummed me out a little bit, and I really don't care. I guess it's just that this show, in any other show, I wouldn't mind, but because this show has so much integrity in general, it bums me out a little bit that it's got such egregious product placement. Um, I mean, it has uh, the Echo, the Amazon Echo is prominent in it three different times, I counted. Um, and, you know, it makes it, it makes it look really cool. And then, in between, there's at least once, maybe twice, where there's commercials to uh, reinstill what it is. Did they and ever name drop the Echo? I honestly, yeah, until say, you said it there, I didn't even know. I, yeah, I, I couldn't even pick it out of here, a lineup here, of devices. Here's how. They, she, it was, it was um, uh, Dominique DiPiero, uh, the uh, federal agent. Uh, ha- that that device she was using in her house to get ready. That's he, she referred to it as Alexa. Oh, that okay. That's the Amazon Echo, okay. and it's a it's a little circular cylindrical device. You put it in the middle of your room. It's a three hundred and sixty degree speaker. You know, a lot of people have Bluetooth speakers. It's that plus it attaches to uh, online, so it can use Amazon's Prime features. It can go online and search for things for you. So it's like Siri, but like a tube that lives in your house, and it's supposedly pretty smart. So when the, she says hello Alexa, I mean. If 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 the if the trigger word to start the echo was hello echo, it would have been even more blatant. But it was just below that because I think it was enough below because I honestly thought it was just a fake. <laughs> no, I mean no, but it, but the thing is, Amazon Alexa is the is the trigger word for that device. I mean, and then you see it, and I mean, anyway, regardless, and then they show the echo commercial at least twice. Now I remember it was at least twice with Missy Elliott and someone and uh, the guy from uh, um, Thirty Rock, uh, the dude. Uh, uh, What's his name? Oh, uh, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, Alec Baldwin and Missy Elliott had a commercial with the Echo twice. So it, it bums me out a little bit that they did that. I understand, though. If that's going to get them more funding, the ability to show us less other commercials and all of that... It also I, fits I, into the world as it, far it as It definitely does. Tech, I mean, definitely does. It, it doesn't bother me as much for that for those reasons. I don't take it if that's what i got to have. But little things like that, like the fact that these episodes are so long, it's just a little disheartening, just slightly. Mm-hmm. But the real problem that I have is that it's just feeling so... Um, plot light um, and uh, 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 supposedly character heavy. First of all, I never liked really the the whole like I don't like seeing a lot of like intensive drug stuff on anything and watching him suffer with this Adderall thing and self inflicted Adderall suffering. But that was like a big point of the show. I it, think. But it was but it went on and on I, and I on think... and on mm-hmm. and and I just the battle with the battle with with Mister Robot too is just. It's like I just feel like it's gone on a little too long, especially once we get the next episode. We're probably going to get like a fine some finality to that, and it just it, it it's still going. I mean, I'll 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 at least agree uh, on the third episode. I thought that's been the weakest of this season. I don't know if Kevin's seen it. I'm at behind right okay, now. Okay, yeah, uh, and I do I think it's drug, third, yeah. it got dragged out a little long in terms of the conflict. Um, but it's interesting if you say that because I honestly. As far as as the the plot light, I, I, I that just feels like Mr. Robot. The first season starts that way too. I mean, now it's introducing the world, so there's a lot of new info. But like plot wise, it doesn't really get like he's not even a part of F Society to like the fourth episode. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I so I mean, really? yeah, he I fights. Like, he actively remember, rejects. Like, he keeps rejecting. Like in episode two, after they arrest one of the corporate heads, there, like he's still rejecting Mr. Robot and. It's sort of this existential crisis. Well, I thought what you said was a really good point, Kevin. When you when I was bringing this up mm-hmm. to you before the show, and you said that 
you know, if you think about it, after season one, and I'm still like forming my thoughts on this show, so don't, sure. you know, that's this is where I am. Sure, sure, sure. But it's a lot to process. It is a lot to yeah. process, and that that speaks very well for the show. But mm-hmm. but I, you know, it's it, the ending season one where now he knows Mr. Robot is part of him. Where do you go from there? Because as you said, Kevin, it's a it becomes a completely different thing when he knows this is happening. And so, how do you deal with that as a show? How do you take that, and not just how do you deal with it, but then how do you move forward from there? Are we going to have an agreement? Mm-hmm. Are we going? I know I haven't seen the last episode. I know there's some kind of conclusion in mm-hmm. that from the hint from the commercials, but it's just you know it really did have to be processed. My problem, I just think, is and I love all the new characters. I love Ray. I don't know where that's going, but it's interesting. I love Dominic, Dominique De Piero. I love that character. I like all of that stuff. The time I'm having the least fun in both the first the first two episodes and the second episode, uh, you know, the premiere episodes and the second, is when I'm with Mr. Robot Nelly. And I know it's not supposed to be fun. It's miserable. Mm-hmm. We're in his head. I just think there's too much of it. Yeah. And I just think not enough happens in it. It's just it's just rehashing it and rehashing it. And I just I know Esmo wants to make the point really intensely. You know, like, he's fighting this, he's fighting this, because if really bad stuff happens later and Elliot lets it happen, at least we know he fought it. I think that's where he's uh-huh, going, uh-huh. but I, I just think that he's just given a little too much leeway to make it a little too autory and long and drifty and wandery. I I don't know. I don't entirely disagree, because, again, with the third episode. Uh, but, honestly, I think the second episode of season two is is probably my favorite episode of the show. Like I oh, wow. I, I thought it has three of the best scenes the show's ever done. With the uh, him getting, trying to be vague here, but him getting abducted and having the cement poured down his throat and the way he's fighting so viciously there. And then the scene with, I thought the drug trip was like insanely good at making me feel like building up the tension of him really starting to lose it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his final speech uh, at the support group. I thought all three of those were like series highs for That's his so funny. They're like my least favorite parts of that episode. Oh my god, I hate, systematically hate those parts. <laughs> Especially the support group speech. I mean, I hate that scene. I just felt like I've seen the rants against, you know, organized but religion it, it, it so drives, many times. Yeah, okay, if you, the, the rants against organized religion, but it's it's a very important part to show that as much as he's fighting, he's still in there and he can't, mm. he can't deny it. Yeah. That's why I think the third episode drags a little long because it's, Kind of him still trying to fight it, but no, I love all of those scenes, and so I love funny. the other scenes. I love the, the dinner scene that yeah. Angela has with uh, Price. That's a great scene. That scene I really like. I also really like the Dominic Di Piero. They're amazingly good at being in a quiet way, establishing that character in her house. What's she reading? How does she fix herself up in the morning? How does she go out? What ways does she think? But there were also missteps, like when she's knocking on the door to try to get into the mother's house, and she it does that weird speech about how she used to roll her little brother's joints. It just was like, what, what, what? It just felt false. There was just little parts of it. I don't know. I just feel like he, they're giving him a little too much leeway. He directed every episode. They're longer. They're like double episodes. I mean, I just think that it just that if it was really, a little tighter, I just think it would have been a little better. I'm amazed that... Or I don't know if there was... If he had to fight for that, but the fact that he's directing every episode—that's just like that's unheard of in a network TV. Well, I mean, this uh, whole thing is unheard of. Just yeah. the fact that USA is the channel that the thing yeah, is yeah, on yeah. is unheard it's of. Not like I mean, a the only reason they like made that decision to put the show on because they were like, "Wow, a we're trying to sort of become a better channel in general and more more uh, right. prestige." And B, we, they saw it and they were like, holy shit, nobody else can have this. It's too good. Yeah. You know? So they've been making exceptions from the very instant that they let that show on their air. Right. You know? Um, 
I but anyway, I, I just think that I just think that it's. I'm hoping it gets more focused as it goes forward. That's all. That's all right. that's entirely fair. But you can keep up with Rich's thoughts on the site moving forward. Yeah. Mine are over on TV equals. I'm reviewing the whole season as well, uh, and I'm sure it'll come back up in future episodes oh, yeah. uh, as the season moves forward. Uh, Kevin, what what show have you been watching? Um, well, Stranger Things was the last like new show I watched. Um, so about ten months ago, I started my. I'm way late in the game and started my How I Met Your Mother journey. <laughs> oh, nice! Um, and so. Um, which I know is Jordan's favorite sitcom of all time. Um, favorite so, show. Of all time. Fa- his favorite show. Okay, wow, I, I didn't right. know that. Okay, I, I, I knew it was a favorite sitcom. But, uh, um, so yeah, I'm on. I just started season seven. So um, okay. and yeah, I know you have. Uh, you said like season seven has trouble finding a core arc to it. Um, no, but, but I think uh, it starts really well. Okay, I, I do want to say that. Like, I love the yeah because I like they, it so the, far. The premiere, the two part premiere, right, and then. Um, and then when they brought the back third the third episode, yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, those the first few episodes are great. I think yeah. after that, um, with the first episode is the Stinson missile crisis is where right, it kind of right. starts to lose its way a bit, right? But no, 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 it begins on a really strong. Note. Okay, cool. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, and I mean, I kind of, I already, I knew, um, I found out a while ago like what happened in the ending and all that, which I don't really mind, like, I mean, so I don't know that, but because it's still, I mean, what I like about the show is just how meticulously plotted it is and. Um, you know, I mean, I really like the show's characters. Oh, I, mean, really I just is. can't I mean, even I mean, believe I, it when I watch it with Jordan. I've seen yeah. the first three or four seasons with you. We're right. in season four. I think, no, yeah. three. We're, we're in, in season we're in, three. We're, we're, right. more than halfway through season three. But I just am constantly like floored yeah. by just, the way that that. I mean, like Robin Sparkles, just one yeah. example. But yeah. also, my, one of my favorites, maybe my favorite so far, is the one where they go a little bit New Jersey trash. Not no offense to New Jerseyans. But like, like a little bit like Jersey Shore on that one episode, and they wear the shirts, and they're oh, and they visit Atlantic City. Atlantic oh City. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. episode to me is just like everything that show does well. Yeah, and just all the different like, you know how you know how like on a really great show, like when you have an episodic show that's not mm-hmm. as now that shows both episodic and that's genius, it, yeah. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But you know when you have a show that's episodic. It's so great, or like even a beautiful record that you love, mm-hmm. like a music record, and it's like, oh, awesome! This is the song about parties and why he hates them. This is the song about you know comparing uh, the world to an oyster. Mm-hmm. This is the song I'm talking about a, a particular record, uh, Dear, sure, sure. Dear You by Jawbreaker. Uh-huh. But this show, it's like awesome. This is the one with Robin Sparkles, where where mm-hmm. they do this thing, and this is the one where they go to Atlantic City and we see this side of the character. Yeah, yeah. This is, they're all so iconic. Right. Maybe there's a couple that aren't, but they're iconic, and not just in theme, but they use like mechanics and oh, techniques absolutely. so beautifully. I mean, you know, I mean, it was groundbreaking, and 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 in all of these ways, and it's sure. still and it still holds up sure. too, even after everyone's aped the shit out of it. Right, and even I mean, I know the ending is controversial and all that, but I mean, it sparked a lot of discussion, and it's not the cliche one you'd expect and it does it's a lot and a bit, without spoiling it because if there are people out here right, right. who haven't seen the how i mentioned whether you should uh but they, it was a matter of they shot an ending because they wanted to have the kids in yeah. it and then they ran way longer than they ever originally intended yeah. to and this is a show that lived on the bubble for its first three years it was constantly at risk of being canceled yeah. so they they had an ending that could wrap things up quickly um and then certain creative choices they make towards the end of the series and certain things that get dra- dragged out make the ending they went with uh, frustrating for fans. Um, I've come to accept it, but it is still something where it's like, man, this would have been a better ending had the show ended at season five or okay, six. Yeah, yeah. Mm, uh, yeah. Probably six or seven. Right. Which it was originally supposed to end with eight, 
And uh, honestly, I, I, I see how they could have done that, and it still have been kind of frustrating, but but worked better. But what so. you're saying is season nine, was there nine? Season nine, Season yeah. nine is the one that the ending really throws out, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the ending kind of throws out the entirety of season nine, because season nine is, like, stretched over one entire weekend, and I could see it if it had been done as, like, four or five episodes at the end of season eight, mm-hmm. which is what they, I think, were originally setting up, but then they were like, all right, let's do something new and original. And I really like season nine for its structural... Uh, makeup of being a weekend. Is it 22? Uh, 24. Oh my god! In one weekend. Yeah. That shows ludicrous in some ways. That's impressive. I mean 24. Uh, but you're, you're, you're two thirds yeah. of the way there. I am, so. yes. I know. I mean, I'm still enjoying that. Um, and yeah, if you haven't seen me on Twitter or on the site or He's here, the biggest Stranger Things fan there ever Pretty was. much, yeah. Pretty yeah. much. And all I see I also it. is that a lot of people, you know, the, the narrative on that show is shifting into a really positive way. Right. Like, all I'm seeing now is, like, more and more and more and more, you know, effusive, glowing praise. It's just so I, I mean, fresh. really, I it's am. like, I mean, yeah, it's very much an 80s throwback, but just the wonder in, in it and the way... it hasn't been. Right. The way it approaches fantasy is so refreshing and in a more cynical age, and it's just a really So it's nice not frustratingly favorite. vague on what's going on? No, Because that's what I've heard, is that, you know, by the I end, it's like, so. where are my answers at? I don't think so. And, I mean, they've the creators already have ideas for future seasons that they can explore. Well, yeah, I got so. one. Finish up the mystery, you know? <laughs> but it's, I, like, I don't know. Well, uh, have you watched it yet? No, but that's, my, when that's what I hear. When you watch it, I have a, like, I kind of have a figure uh, we'll figure it out okay good good well if that's true and it's not just the fact that it's not like they just like left things dangling but rather they left it open to interpretation i think it's in a good way i'm cool with right right i think it's both open and but i don't think it's they just like people are acting like uh, they just left you in uh, midair on some hooks yeah i don't think so i i just finished kelsey and i just finished it (laughs) oh good uh a few days ago and um I, I see both sides of it. I don't think it's a completely satisfying ending from the mythology part. I think right. n- not everything ties together well. There's like a lot of different <laughs> elements introduced that collide at the end, but they don't dovetail very yeah. nicely. Um, so that's kind of that's a good way to put I it. I think it's still a very enjoyable show. I am not of the effusively glowing on it. Uh, we took our time with it. Uh, Kelsey liked it more than I did. I think it's... Uh, when when people you know the three people they talk about it's like it's a it's an homage to Spielberg King and uh, Carpenter. Carpenter, but in my mind it should be it's a tribute to Spielberg Carpenter and King, like it I is mean, very yeah. much primary like for the first half of it there's almost no Carpenter at all yeah. uh, the King is kind of there because right. King sets this stuff up but it's very much E T right in in structure and, and like, I know you know, there's kids on I, also, bikes I know you car, don't you know? I know you don't like E T so I'm not the biggest like, fan yeah, of E T yeah. um, I think this is better than E T uh, so I'll, I'll I'll say that and I enjoy a lot of what the characters do. Um, and there are a lot of great characters in this. Mm-hmm. Hopper, Dustin, Eleven. Mm-hmm. It's a great cast. Uh, Winona Ryder kills it as the mother mm-hmm. um, of, of the missing boy. But I, it, it just it feels like, um, to me, I'd give it... It's a solid eight, but I'm not oh, like, wow, bowled okay. over by it. Okay. I always feel like, yeah, when you're... It's hard when, when people are like glowing on something. You have to, and you're not glowing. No, and it sounds like I've, you're negative. I, I'm not. I just no, and I, I've been in that place before too. So no judgments. No, but yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah. And what is uh, what's your pick? Uh, so I've also been on Netflix because aren't all TV shows on Netflix at yeah, this point? Much, uh, yeah, I even watched a little Limitless and enjoyed it. Go ahead. I, I do want to watch that. I'm bummed that's not getting a. I know, season. but it's really good. Um, but of the many many shows I am watching, uh, I pretty much blitzed the third season of BoJack Horseman. Oh yeah. Uh, this this is a show, man, that I think... Is it getting better and better? 
I mean, I think it, by the end of the first scene, it was great. I think this is far and away its best season. I mean, it was That's it was awesome. stellar. Stellar How long from beginning seasons? Uh, 12 episodes. Each one. Yeah, 25 minutes. There's one Christmas special between the first and second season. But it it's just... It, it's really hard to talk about BoJack because it's very heavily serialized. So the third season continues a lot of the, the plot threads. And I don't think either of you have seen... I've seen the first half of season one. Yeah. And, you know, that's where it's most formative. Uh, I did... I don't necessarily know that the show didn't know what it wanted to be, because by the end of the first season, it's very much as clear on its... This is the story about a very depressed individual, and how they're... How the, the course of the series is them confronting and dealing with their depression, or how well or not well they do that. Um, and the third season just has some some amazing episodes throughout that are both creative and hilarious. It sounds like it's uh, a truly dramatic animated comedy. I mean, it has some some heavy moments of drama, but it's also you know laugh out loud funny with its referencing, uh, using the different animal creations to like make animalized versions of other things. Uh, one of the the this, and there's so many background jokes that I didn't notice, but there's like one of the one of the hotels they stayed at is the uh, Kangaroos Evelt mm-hmm. Hotel, and it's just little things like that that animalize the world and introduce new things because it's a world where everyone is an animal and there aren't like pets. It's like Every animal is just a person, and they deal with that in interesting ways. Like, in the second season, they have an old episode about uh, chickens and how <laughs> basically mentally challenged chickens are the ones that are used for meat. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird stuff like that. But the character arcs for everyone that run through the third season are fantastic. Um, and I, I just I can't highly recommend it enough. It, it probably is the best animated show on television right now. Uh, more Bob's, than that. Bob's Burgers? Uh, yeah, I would... <laughs> See, I Those like are my Bob. two favorites. I know, I like, that's why I threw it out there. So it, it, that's why Bob's Burgers, I like it. I haven't gotten into it as much as everyone else, but I like it. Um, I, I think BoJack's doing something different. Uh, the different it, there, there are different types of stories being told. Bob's Burgers is more straight comedy, and it's very funny for it. I think BoJack does a good job of uh, adding serialization in that How You Met Your Mother way. And it's, it's surprisingly... Uh, in depth, I, I really enjoy that show, and I think more people should give it a shot, especially if you get through the first five or six episodes, where it is more, uh, less serialized and more just kind of wacky hijinks. I'm just so glad. Um, I was explaining that the theme of like horsing around and Bojack to my mom, and she just like laughed just thinking about it. Like it just seems so funny. Um, but it's uh, it's it's interesting um, to be sure. What I love is that Netflix gives shows like this a chance. Uh, and then when that show didn't like, I mean, I think it performed fine initially, but like they have faith in things and they let them go. Almost everything gets a second season. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's why shows like this get to become from really good to like mind blowing. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is on my short list for best shows of the year. I mean, it probably is the best season of television full that I've seen this year. It's, it's phenomenal. That's um, crazy for, for an animated comedy to reach those kind of heights. Not saying it's not unheard of, but it's 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 a challenge. Yeah, and the the fourth episode of this season is rightly being like levied up as like a high watermark in all of animation, um, and is a fantastic. It's it's a it's basically a silent episode. He goes underwater to a underwater film festival, and and the whole thing is him. He's got like this bubble on, so he can't talk, but he also doesn't have access to any of his usual vices: drinking, smoking. So he's also kind of like sobering up throughout, and and he has ends up going on this kind of uh, adventure, and it's just. Really depressing, but in a in a very fulfilling way. I don't know. It's hard uh-huh. to say. If 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 nothing else, you could watch that episode as a short film and just get maybe not as much out of it if you fully knew the characters, but fully connect with it in That's an interesting awesome. way. Sounds great. Uh, 
So that's what I've been watching. All right. Cool. Um, for our list. Yeah, yeah. We're ready for our theme episode. So um, let's, uh, let's, let's do it. Uh, how are we doing uh, the order? Did we already mention the order? Uh, we have not mentioned the order. We're going to start with some highs, uh, or, or, or big ones, I guess. It, it's hard to say with characters what makes yeah. a big category, but we're going to start with hero and villain, uh, then go to supporting, uh, closet pick, got animated, relatable, and then comedic and dramatic to close it out. Nice. And we'll do our usual rotating starts on these. I, uh, I guess I'll take Leave. first. Do it. I'll yeah. take first. Okay. Uh, so first thing was favorite hero. Uh, and this was a tricky one, just because uh, some of these categories you could you could put actors in, or you could put characters in different slots mm. with this, right? So I was trying to spread it around and go with, okay, I want to mention all these characters because I, there's a lot of TV characters I love. Um, but for 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 hero, what I tried to focus in is uh, a lead character for the most part, because usually they're the hero of the story, right? Um, but also, uh, I wanted a, a show where it was. Less about the ensemble, even if there is one and it gets a good thing. I wanted something where the story was very much focused on the hero's journey. Sure. Uh, and so for runner-up on this, I went with Will Graham from Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that show is a little more ensemble, and Will's as much the focus as Hannibal is in that show. Sure. But I just, I really like Will Graham. He keeps the sh- he he's very easy to connect with and watch, even as he struggles throughout three seasons. Um, the- it's painful at season two beginning. That's tough. <laughs> to be in his shoes. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the show put takes him to some some rough places, and you want to see him come back from it. Um, he goes to some really dark places at the towards the end of season two and in the beginning of season three, and his whole journey throughout is very much um, a fascinating one. And uh, Rich, we, we need to get you back to watching that I one. Know. Uh, but yeah, so Will Graham's running up for but but for best hero, this is one I've talked about a lot, so I don't have a whole lot new to say. But I went with uh, Jessica Jones. Okay. From Jessica Jones, I think her whole journey over that thirteen episodes, uh, she's obviously the dead center focus of that show. All the other characters kind of rotate around her. There aren't a lot of side stories. There are some, but the focus stays with her. And just a lot of it is is how original it feels because the her story of being uh, a survivor and dealing with the PTSD of it and all that are not stories we see a lot of on TV. Um, but it's just, it's a fantastic performance from Kristen Ritter. It makes me excited that the show got a second season, and I'm, I'm and just... And Defenders. And Defenders, yeah. I, that's going to be a very different beast, but uh, seeing that her specific story will continue is exciting, and just as far as heroes go, and, you know, obviously she is, has superpowers, so that, that, you know, feeds into it, but just, just being the lead and being the character that we follow throughout a whole season, um, I've, I've rewatched that show several times now with different people, and every time I'm as engaged... And is interested to see just the different beats happen. So Jessica Jones was my favorite hero for cool. TV. Yes, Kevin. Alrighty. So um, I I wanted to uh, you know when I think heroes and I immediately think superhero and sci-fi. Um, I didn't want to exclude others, but you know I that was kind of my go-to. Um, and I wanted to pick someone who is strong enough um, that um, works in both kind of a comical manner and gritty. So I went with Olivia Dunham in Fringe, which is not my favorite show wow, of all time, okay. and it's not like the solid ba- and, pick though. And it's really that's the thing. solid. What I because see, for, what I, you know, she's also kind of an unknown before that show. Exactly, too. and that's the, so there are a lot of reasons I really like her. I mean, um, and uh, runners up would have been like Malcolm Reynolds, you know, Daredevil, some of the big ones, something obvious. But um, what I you know, so Fringe, um, I think everyone has like a complicated relationship with just because. 
I mean, yeah, I know it's kind of a ripoff of X-Files. I never watched X-Files, but I know it's kind of that, and it does really just go downhill after a while. But in those earlier seasons, um, I really liked the storytelling, but re- really kept me watching what's her character. I mean, I was always interested in learning about her backstory. I loved how she interacted um, with Walter and Peter, um, how she was fearless, and um, Anna Torch's performance is fantastic. Um, I just love and across uh, universes, across, too, exactly. Worth noting, exactly. Nice. she plays a yeah. lot of shades of, of those two characters. Exactly. She has to play Folivia and Olivia, and then Olivia as Folivia, and exactly. Olivia playing. It's like right. she, there are several performances right, that she right. has to get. It's but just it's like how Olivia. It's what they call the alternate universe version of her. It's just like how on Flash, um, you know, Harrison Wells in multiple versions, and we're going to get another one, I'm sure, in one Flash. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I mean. You know, again, she's one that can you can have fun with, and you're also engaged with the dramatic aspects of her. Um, she's a relentless fighter, really fearless, willing to stand with bad guys, um, but has a really human um, element to her at the core. Nice. Right. I would just like to throw out I am a fan of season five of Fringe. Okay. But <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, Olivia is a great character who who's just great to follow throughout uh so yeah, yeah. So um, I have a pick uh, as a runner-up that is um, pretty, um, pretty <coughs> universal. I think if you looked at a lot of people's best heroes on TV list, I think you'd get this close to the top. Um, that is Tyrion Lannister. Um, he is amazing. Um, I absolutely love this character. Um, he is one of the things that makes that show so special. But what I love the most about the character is that he is both. This at a disadvantage, you know, being of small stature and and, and being a, a small person, um, but also like like in all the ways that matter, it it doesn't affect like the way he plays that role. He is just another actor on that show playing an amazing character. Totally. And then when you add in all of the drama surrounding that, the fact that he's like the redheaded stepchild, he's the one that's always getting all the shit, that, that always is, that, that is totally discriminated against mm-hmm. and not loved by his parents, mm-hmm. and the, 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 the stuff he has to go through and deal with, it's the ultimate hero's journey. And, and, and he, he starts out kind of in a decent place, and then like by season three, he's literally living in some little hovel house somewhere, you know, that his, that his dad has him like out of sight, out of mind, you know, just in some bed somewhere, just being put off. And then there's, I know there's, I haven't seen it yet, but I know there's like this triumphant you know, oh, where he's in that. court yep. and, 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 and proving his innocence and, and fighting. This is a guy who has to fight every step of the way, was born at a disadvantage, uh, especially in that world. Right. Um, and, and just fights every day. And he's so good amidst so much evil. Uh, and not just good, but loyal. Mm-hmm. You know, he tries to be loyal to these dishonest, disloyal uh, maybe they're loyal, but these 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 dishonest, you know, evil-hearted people, or at least in mm-hmm. my opinion, are. It's always shades, but you know, he really does try to be loyal. And then the decision is what's good versus what's loyal. And he just there's so much depth there to that. Not to mention, every time he comes on screen, I'm just happy to see him. Oh yeah, um, I was he, just about he, to say, I, you think he let him not wait till that monologue in uh, yeah. before. And, and I just know that anyway. Um, I love that character. So yeah. that would be that was my uh, runner up. Sure. Um, but my winner. Uh, now that I now that I now that I made that sort of speech, I almost think he might be should have been my winner. But <laughs> this one I also absolutely love, and this is one I think Jordan may heavily disagree with. Um, um, Jack Shepard from Lost. I, I thought I you know. always said he's like a blank slate. I think he is a blank slate. I'm not going to argue against him. I just I feel like 
he he has to play the more everyman role, so he's a little dull. I wouldn't call him the most interesting character on Lost, but as far as the lead go, I'm not going to argue. He's a great hero. Uh, for me, he is a guy who tried every day to be a good man, um, and he continued to do that. He gets trapped on this island, and he tries to be the good doctor, mm. the good son, the good person. And he struck, and he you know he's not he doesn't have all the vices that other people have. Although he does have some emotional baggage for sure that he's got to unpack. I hate that expression, but. <laughs> You know, he, he's just, he grounds that show so brilliantly. I think he was like one of the unsung reasons why that show performed so well. He just grounds that show so beautifully. And there are other characters that are more interesting. Kate, Sawyer, um, uh, 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 British dude. Um, Desmond? De- well, Desmond, absolutely. And then uh, uh, Charlie. Charlie, yeah. Um, the, even some other ones that are uh, uh, Locke. Um, I mean, some of these characters are maybe more interesting in different ways, but my favorite by far was always Jack because he just made me feel so good and so safe when I was he was around. I was like, this guy's going to make the right decision, and if I were on that island, that's the guy I would want in charge taking care of our future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, put in that situation, he's just incredibly heroic. Um, and also, that's, he, it's in the context, all these are context-sensitive, right? And it's in the context of a show that is top three probably for me of all time. I didn't like the last season that much, especially half of the last season, the Flash uh, Flash Purgatory half. But um, the that show to me was kind of like that. Like some people, it was like it was Sopranos was the start of the new generation of television for me. Lost was for me. Mm-hmm. So Lost was the show that started, what do they call it, peak TV or golden mm-hmm. age of television yeah. for me. And so for that reason, that character in that role on that show is definitely my hero. All right. So next up we have Villain. Taking us to the other side right. of things, Kevin's going to start us off with the phone. Who's your villain pick? My villain pick, um, you know, there's multiple great ones, but I had to go with Siler in Heroes um, because... Okay. Um, Interesting. Again, in season I, three also? Yeah, I'm talking <laughs> mostly about season one, um, okay. because, like, I mean, what, the whole hero is, like, where it went. Just Downward spiral. How was, how was the most recent season? Did you even watch it? I don't know, honestly. Yeah, okay. but, 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 like, yeah, I know. Um, but looking at, let's look at just that first season. Again, what I like about Siler is he's a perfect, I mean, season one of Heroes, I look at as, like, one of the best, like, what X-Men movies, if they were really, really great, would be, you know I mean? It's just, like, that kind of, uh, you know, group of superheroes and that kind of storytelling that's a little more gritty but still fun should be. And he is also a character who um, is really dark and has these crazy powers and is really brutal. But there's also an element that, you don't really hate him so much. You like seeing him on screen. You're interested in his backstory. Um, you want to find out what will happen to him and how his plans will play out. All these things come together. Zachary Quinto's performance is phenomenal. He plays, of course, a great Spock, and here he's a great villain. Um, it's just like... Um, and, you know, I always wonder what would happen if they had made Leonard Nimoy his dad, and that's, that would have been awesome, because there was talk about that at one point. Um and so, yeah, I just, I mean, I love everything about Tyler. I mean, there are plenty of great contenders, but I just, I mean, uh, he is one of the defining elements of a really great season of television. You know, I can't really speak for the rest of the show, but <laughs> that first season mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Rich? Okay. Um, this is, man, I wish I didn't have so many on this one. I'm going to make them real quick. So, um, boy. Uh, <coughs> I, okay. Okay. 
So I'm just gonna throw out there as one of my um, as one of my picks. I love Grant Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, in uh, in Agents of Shield. You know I love him. Um, yeah, I love him too much. Brett Dalton, uh, definitely a um, uh, runner up though. Mm-hmm. Um, another runner up would be um, Lauren Malvo and Nestor Ly- Lester Nygaard in uh, Fargo. They're both mm-hmm. villains, but mm-hmm. flip sides of the same coin in mm-hmm. a genius way. Um, incredibly well written. Uh, whenever they both are on the screen, it's, it's like that season. I can't even believe the star power mm-hmm. in that season. Mm-hmm. It's just like Martin Freeman and Billy Bob. I mean, come on. Um, my real runner-up would be Peter Baelish. Uh, actually, Lauren Mavel is pretty close, but ba- Baelish also. Mm-hmm. The two of them are like my real runners-up. Um, Baelish is so good. Uh, and I, he's so good that I love that actor now in anything. Like He can just show up. And I'm like, I love you. So you gotta watch. Um, what was it? The what was that? Not Divergent or um, yeah, yeah, the I saw trials. I've seen it. Yeah. Welcome to oh, the wow. Scorch. Okay. That was one of the reasons you all you do a good one of those. That was one of the reasons I wanted to see it. Was when I saw his ass, and I was okay. like, All right, this guy's awesome. He's barely in it, but he's in it. He's in it. But it's, I like those movies a lot. They're my okay. second favorite dystopian series. And of course, Quantum Break. And Quantum Break. He was great in right. Um, but my number one pick, uh, wow, this is starting to get a little bit uh, focused on Lost here, um, Ben Linus. Okay. Uh, I think the others are one of the best villainous groups ever mm-hmm. on TV, and they're not really villains, but they are, but they're not. Uh, but Ben Linus was always out for, you know, de- you know, deceitful, de- you know, ends, but also sort of good, but not really, and motivated, and his daughter, and, I mean, it's just the most amazingly complex character. The very first time we see him, he's pretending to be someone else to escape, and he straight up convinced me he was that person, then he wasn't. The others, to me, were just the most mysterious, intimidating, awesome villainous group. Um, ben Linus and that actor. Oh my God! I mean, it's a it's a it's a masterful performance. Michael like, Emerson, masterful. I mean, he's just so fucking good in that role. It's it was he was made to play it, and it took a guy who was you know BC list, not because he wasn't great, but just because he never really got the opportunity to rise, and it gave him the opportunity to be you know the most interesting, maybe the best character on TV for those years. Um, ben Linus, my pick. Best villain. Okay, uh, for me, I went uh, a couple. I'll be honest, my, again, this is where it got tricky with, yeah. with having different categories. Uh, if I'm being entirely honest, my favorite villain is probably somewhere else on this list. I'll mention it when it comes to that, but I didn't want to double up. I wanted to mention a lot of characters I liked. But from a purely villainous standpoint, my runner-up here was uh, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. who serves as... Oh, wow, he's good. Yeah, uh, why well, yeah, not think of that? Giancarlo Esposito. <laughs> God, uh, is he good? It's almost you could fill this list a lot with Breaking Bad, and it would be a little yeah, predictable, I... probably. But uh, Breaking Bad has great actors across the board, and uh, Giancarlo Esposito is Gus Fring across uh, he's so several menacing. seasons. Yeah, he's insanely menacing. Uh, his the way he carries himself, the 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 dread in the season four premiere uh, oh called Box Cutter. Uh, particularly leading into the final moments of that episode, is insanely palpable. I can still remember watching that premiere uh, when it aired. And just, just yeah, the, the, the battle of wills between him and Walter throughout uh, the middle parts of that series are insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just a great villain. So he was my runner-up, though. But, again, I always these tend to wait towards shows I like more. Yeah, um, of course. And Breaking Bad is, of course, great. But I love Battlestar Galactica. Okay. So, wait, wait, this isn't spoiler, is it? What? That they're a villain? No, which which villain you pick? If you pick one that could be, a, it's not. You're not going to reveal a Cylon here, are you? No, no. Okay. I mean, well, I'm not going to say if they are or not a Cylon, but there are villains who aren't. It's Gaius Baltar, who okay. is, uh, 
one of the most <laughs> complicatedly self-serving characters on television. Um, he's the one who accident well because he he gets you know screwed over by by a six model that that tricks him accidentally lets the Cylons into the defense grid for the twelve colonies. And leads to the genocide of all the planets. Uh, <laughs> Imagine that on your shoulders. Yeah, and he, of course, is very self-serving throughout. He does all he can to try and hide that, and that leads to problems for the fleet. Um, he does even more villainous things as the series goes on, and whether or not he has a redemption arc, he's always... Even when he's at his worst, you under, there, there are moments where he does a completely despicable things, but you understand where he's coming from, even if you want to... You know, you would say, maybe I wouldn't do that, but... In the situation, it'd be a hard call to make, and he has to do that a lot. And yeah, he ultimately comes down on self-serving or survival instinct, but he is just fascinating to watch throughout four seasons. His art gets a little weird towards the end in season four. A couple things in that show get a little weird <laughs> towards the end of season sure. four. But as menacing as the Cylons are as the obvious main threat, uh, the damage he does from inside is fantastic, and I'm always happy to see him on screen. Uh, James Callis is a great actor. Uh, he's done some other shows. Who was it? That, what was he your pick for? Big time, the Doctor was it? I would have no, no, Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. I think he would have made a great looking Doctor Strange, uh, and he's a great actor. He he's done a lot of different types of roles, but Guy's Baltar is just a fantastic villain, and that was my pick for this one. Awesome. Uh, All right. So that uh, brings us back around to Rich, and we're going to take a look at supporting. Okay. So this is this is all relative. What is supporting? Um, because. It could be a character who's a main character, but but doesn't necessarily get the main focus all the time. It could be a recurring character, or a smaller appearing character, someone who is purely support. I'm interested to see what everyone picked for this category, and uh, Rich, start us You're out. You're going to have to actually uh, skip me for a second. I, this category got a little muddled in my list. Uh, go, go around, and then I'll have to come back to me. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah. Kevin, right. you ready? All right. all right. So, I did have a couple of runners up in, um, in characters that were totally different from one another. Um, I thought about Book from Firefly. I love him. Um, um, Saul from Breaking Bad. Um, there were so many. Just uh, I guess, like you said, supporting really it does cover multiple. But um, the one I picked was Neil Schreiber in Freaks and Geeks because okay. Um, and if you, I mentioned in my Stranger Things review that Dustin is like my favorite TV best friend since me, like next to Neil. Um, I just, I mean. I, I love Freaks and Geeks so much. I mean, it's one of those criminally one-season shows, and the character, every character is fantastic in it. But what I love about Neil is just, like, he's the best friend that embodies a lot of, you know, classic characteristics of, like, the best friend, but they also give him a really nice arc, you know, with his parents, and then, um, so you get to see him in dramatic moments as well as relentlessly comedic, and I just love it how he interacts with... Um, uh, the other guys on it, and he has that crush on Lindsay and all this stuff, and uh, he's just a delight to watch, and I love every moment he's on screen. Awesome. Uh, so for me, I th- supporting is interesting because it's like I, I try to go with characters that were never, you know, they had arcs, but they were obviously never like the main focus or draw of the show. Uh, runner up for me on this one is uh, Lauren from Angel. Who is a character? Oh yeah, okay, that yeah. I think everyone here knows. I I, I really love. Uh, he's my favorite Buffy verse character. Uh, he he starts off as just a a the host was his only name at, at the start. He hosted a nightclub and he could read people's emotions when they sang. And so Angel went to him a lot, and he just sort of became a part of the team as a a fun, more lighthearted comic relief character, but who also got some pretty dramatic stuff towards the end of the series. Um, 
In fact, where his story ends is hugely depressing, but uh, it, it, it fits. It feels like a real sacrifice in what he has to do there at the end of the series. But just, just throughout, he's so much fun. He brings this like swinging 40s nightclub feel to the series that no other character really on TV ever brings. It's not a... 40s nightclub owner is not a popular character in modern television, given that it's not the 40s. But he, he's just a great character. Uh, so he was my runner-up. But my favorite in supporting is uh, from Jane the Virgin, her father, Rogelio. Uh, he is this... It's, again, it's this similarly over-the-top, hugely entertaining character. He is a... Uh, star of a telenovela, mm-hmm. which, you know, Jane the Virgin is, ba- you know, kind of yeah. apes a lot of the structure of it's telenovela. It's a very meta thing. It's very meta. Uh, his presence in the show draws attention to a lot of that. Uh, and he's just, he's just buckets of fun. Like, he's so, he, he, he brings up, like, all of the things of being, like, an, a self-obsessed star, but without being, like, genuinely self-obsessed. It's like, he does, he says and does some pretty messed up stuff at times, but you know he doesn't mean it. It's just like he's so in his own head. At times, but he's lightened a lot, and he's just—he's just a lot of fun to watch. Um, I've—I've always from from the first episode, I've enjoyed seeing him, and it's only gotten more ridiculous with his new telenovela, which is about him time traveling throughout history to make sure famous historic events happen. And so there was a whole episode of his show that was based around uh, (laughs) the women's suffragette movement needed him to show up as a man Uh and lead it forward, and it's so tone deaf and completely unaware. But that's part of the joke. Um, but he also genuinely loves and cares for his daughter and for the members of the family, and it's just, he's a great character, and I always like seeing him every week when that show airs. Uh, I have a sketch of him, actually a lot of these characters. I have a TV sketchbook that I do at comic convention, and he's one of the ones I have, and it's a gorgeous sketch. So, uh, honestly, yeah, I think most of the characters I have have appeared in, or, or, if I I have a sketch, they're probably on this list. Uh, but that would be my supporting Rich. So, um, I have a couple good ones. So, my runner-up um, is one you would never guess in about 3,000 years of guessing. Okay. And that is Mr. Big from Sex and the City. Okay. I love that show. Um, I loved it when I was younger. Um, and, uh, you know, like when I was like 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. like that show for me was surprisingly like one of my favorite shows. I just okay. loved every episode of it. I craved it. The next one to come on, I bought the DVD sets when they came out, because I don't think I had HBO at the time, and I love that character. I think Mr. Big was just really fun, uh, really arrogant, um, just just a really well-done character. Um, and I didn't know that actor from anywhere else. Uh, you know, Now we know him from... A lot of people know him from Law & Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people know him from um, uh, The Good Wife. Hmm. as the uh, not-good-husband, or at least to start. Um, but I really, really liked him in that role. I always loved when he came on. He has so much charisma, that actor. Just so much. Um, my my number one pick is a split pick, and it's because I have a reasoning behind it. Um, and it is both Teresa Lisbon from The Mentalist and Kate Beckett from Castle. Um, of a type, it sounds like. Yes. They're both of a type, and that is the female cop um, that plays supporting role to the male cop or writer that's playing a cop um, on a show that is basically named after that male guy. So the Mentalist. It's obviously Patrick Dane. Uh, that's everybody that She's the, the, she plays the straight man role, right? In both shows, right? And if you see, if you see, like my my absolute favorite two detective shows on TV, like like American cop shows. By far, Castle and the Mentalist, mm. uh, and in both of those cases, these are unsung heroes of those shows. 
their relationship with Castle in uh, the case of uh, Beckett and with their, um, The Mentalist, with Patrick Jane in The Mentalist, uh, are, are the driving thrust of those shows. And without the one, you don't have the other. They really are lead actresses in those shows, but they don't get the billing. They don't get the respect. They definitely don't get the respect. Recently, there was that big thing with Beckett uh, getting relegated to like being thrown off the show just because they didn't want to pay her salary. Um, and then like they were going to have another season with just Castle, even though the two just got together. I mean, it was ludicrous. It was horrendous. And the fan, fan backlash and some other reasons, they just ended up canceling it instead. And that was a good thing. As much as I love Castle, that sure. was a good decision. Because sure. that's how important Castle and Beckett, Casket, is is that show. It is not just the Castle show. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's called Castle. It is their show. And The Mentalist mm-hmm. was the same way. Maybe a, Now, even The Mentalist, you needed Lisbon. She was so good. She was almost a character that I would pick, even if she weren't with The Mentalist. I like that character so much, played by Robin Tunney. So the two of them, I, I'm not calling them supporting actresses because they're not. They're lead actresses in those roles. But the world has viewed them in many ways as support. And uh, I think they're the unsung heroes of their respective shows. Awesome. All right, so next up, uh, get back to the original rotation. I'll pick up with Closet Pick. And so for this one, Rich pitched this one out. Uh, There were a couple different ways to take it. Uh, For me, I took it... I always like the Closet Pick. I took it as a character that... uh, These are all of a shade, but to me it was a character that did not immediately seem to be as lovable and likable, but ended up surprising. Maybe ended up as your favorite character from a show or something like that. That's how I was taking it. Uh, and one of these, my runner-up is a fairly recent one. Uh, I started watching Rick and Morty, and I watched through the whole first season, and uh, as much as everyone loves Rick and Morty and probably uh, Jerry, the father, and all that, uh, my favorite character ended up being Summer Smith, which is the teenage sister who at first is just that, you know, just kind of the stereotypical teenage sister. But there, there is an element to her character that really comes out as the season goes on, and it's continuing into the second season, which I've just started, where... Uh, with Rick and Morty, Rick is, you know, sort of the crazy mad scientist like Doc Brown if he had way more mental problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Morty's just kind of his stuck as like a, a skitterish yes man. And he occasionally tries to fight back, for, but for the most part, he just goes along with what Rick says because Rick knows what he's doing. What I love about Summer is she questions Rick. Like, the, the times they have adventures, or now that she's started to be on the adventures more, she's constantly questioning him and calling him out. And yes, he's the smartest person in the room. That doesn't mean he knows everything or that he's the best. My favorite episode of that show is one where, and Rick and Morty's weird, so this synopsis is weird, where Summer ends up working at a curio shop owned by Satan, and Satan's selling these objects that curse people, and Rick wants her to quit because it's Satan, and she's like, hey, he treats me well. It's a fairly, it's a part-time job. No one likes those. (laughs) And then she ends up working with Satan to try and, like, they they have this one-up game of Rick, like, decursing the items and it's just a crazy episode. and, and sounds fun. It is. And it, it was where it really cemented that as as kind of like... That antagonistic relationship. Yeah, they're still allies. And they, they go on adventures now together with Morty. Uh, so it's all three of them more often than it's not. But I just ended up really liking her as a character. Uh, so that was my runner-up. My, my closet one, though, is uh, going back to the show I talked about earlier, Bojack Horseman. Because he is an utterly contemptible, self-absorbed... You know, super rich but still miserable character, and they lampshade this a lot in the show. Where it's like, you you're super rich and you can do whatever you want. Why are you so unhappy? Why why do you have to make everything about you? And it's like, well, it's because he is depressed. And as we find out more of that about, he has legitimate clinical mental issues that he's not properly dealing with. Uh, even when he starts doing absolutely terrible things, because he does, he does some really despicable things that I don't want to ruin. Um, some of the worst things you've seen characters do on TV at times. Wow. Um, but 
not that you're making the excuse, but it's like you just want to see this guy get help. And when he tries, when he like makes these reaches, and it's very easy for him to get slapped down by the world and by the way the world sees him. And it's just, it's fascinating how invested I am in someone who consistently self-sabotages and does horrible things. But the hope is that eventually he might start to get better. And yeah, when that happens, the show's over. But I think BoJack Horseman is a show with a limited lifespan of him, seeing him either ideally recover or it's a pretty dark show. Maybe it ends with him dead. I don't know. Or maybe or maybe uh, the the show shifts and he becomes more of a supporting character to another character that becomes role's lead. I don't know. It's entirely possible. This is the sort of thing where I wouldn't mind seeing a spinoff set in the same world if they wanted to go that route, but uh, it is renewed for a fourth season already, so... You're happy about that, I take it. Yeah, continue to see him do uh, just god-awful things in the future. Uh, so th- that was my pick for uh, Closet. Just I- I'm surprised by how much I-, I love BoJack Horseman, given how terrible he is. Uh, Kevin. Okay, so mine... I, I can't really think of a runner-off, because I went with also the one that like surprised... Like, um, now, mine... Jordan will be able to discuss this, Rich. You might roll your eyes um, that I'm bringing this to the conversation. Yeah, right. But, um, okay, so first I picked this character because he dethroned an iconic one as like the fan favorite. I picked TJ in Power Rangers Turbo and in Space <laughs> because he inherited um, the Red Ranger from Tommy Oliver, which, which to is even a tough act to follow. Exactly, because even to non-Rangers fans, Tommy Oliver is a very recognizable name, and he's played five Rangers. Now, Tommy! And done, he had been four at that point. And so TJ you, was just this dude. He appeared first, and like they rescued him on like a bus or something. It was a, like You might know it better than I do, Jordan, but... It's been, I'm going back through now, but mm-hmm. like, um, just when I was watching all the clips and stuff, I had forgotten how much I loved this guy. Um, and he was the Red Ranger in Turpo, and he was the Blue Ranger in, in Space. And he was just awesome. He was like, um, I mean, I, I mean, he's an athlete. Um, he had a romance with one of the other characters there. He um, was just cool. And I mean, that's the defining element of the Ranger. You have to be cool. You have to be. And, and in Space, when. Um, they meet the Red Ranger of that universe. They have to, he has to take the back seat and be the Blue Ranger there, but he doesn't really argue with it, and he's cool. So I know I just like went pre Golden Age and, uh, and went total nostalgia there. Nice. But, yeah, but I well, first of all, I'll say I had a power. I had a Power Rangers character. Like my second runner up would have been uh, Trakina, who's the main villain okay, for yeah, yeah. Lost Galaxy because uh, she starts off super self centered and spoiled, but right. then after the death of her father, she steps up. Spoiler. And really, it happens pretty early in right. the run. You're just right. Kidding. You're right. Fair I'm just enough. Kidding. But watching her, you know, the the relationship she forms with other characters, she actually turns out to be one of the best villains in yeah. the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, TJ Ransick is still the best. So. Yeah, Ransick's great. Yeah. Uh, TJ for Ransick. me is a solid character. Yeah. I will never my 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 infinite takeaway for TJ is always going to be when they fought the Psycho Rangers and the Psycho Rangers were color matched to them and could like perfectly fight. And TJ's like, "What if we did this?" And he whips out a spray a can of spray paint. <laughs> Like, spray paints all the little models blue, and then he, like, comes up with the victory move. But it's just... that TJ was a solid character. He had yeah, good yeah. ideas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, TJ, TJ's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, Rich? Okay. Um, so, I had, um, as my runner-up, uh, Grant Ward. Um, this is a character that a lot of people absolutely despise on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I loved him from the beginning. I was so bummed he went villain. But when he did, I still loved him. I love this character. I think he's a really, I really good I remember you holding out so hard for that redemption arc. <laughs> I was holding out really hard. Uh, and then I just keep thinking, flashing back to him, like, double popping, doing, like, double caps. He's just like, pop, pop! 
like multiple times. That's and his it, signature move. Yeah, his signature move is like he's got a pistol, and like everybody's just like, "Hey, it's good guy Grant," and he just like busts out his pistol and aims it at one dude. Pop, moves over to the next dude. Pop. That's Grant Ward's <laughs> like signature move, and it's so hard to redeem a character who double pops uh-huh. like angelically good characters. He's just like, yeah, this doesn't serve my needs. Pop, pop. Wow. Shots <laughs> fucking fired. Um, but anyway, love him. Uh, I think anybody listens to this show for a while knows I love him. And the world does not love him. I don't know how that's changed. Has that changed at all? People like him at all now? or uh, I, It's hard to talk without spoilers. Okay. okay. Um, and uh, my number one pick for closet uh, choice. Now, what I chose uh, as my... And the reason that this mm. one makes a lot of sense for me is a character that if you mention the name or... Uh, you mention the character to a group of people that watch TV, they would either be surprised that you like them because they hate them, or they'd be like, who's that? Okay. Um, those are the two pick, the two ways I, I was thinking to go with it. Right. Obviously, the hate one is the Grant Ward, uh, if they even know who he is by name. And then the other one is Stephen Holder from The Killing. He is my number one pick. He is the male cop. See? Jordan was like, huh? Who's that? Well, go ahead, go ahead. It's Joel Kinnaman. Uh, from uh, who's who's now being really well known, he was RoboCop um, in the most recent RoboCop. He's also um, Rick Flag, yeah, yeah, Rick Flag and Suicide Squad. So he's really well known. I have only seen the first season and a half of The Killing. I'm like savoring it or something. I really want to get back to it. I've seen all of the Swedish one though, um, but I love what he does with that character. He is just so like shabby cool. In those episodes, he just like runs, walks in, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm older." He's got a bit of a drug problem, which I don't like suffering through. But he's like recovering, and he's trying to do good by his daughter. And he is—he's just got so much heart, and he's so real. And he does some like somewhat shady things, but his heart is always in the right place. And and he's fighting his instinct versus you know his bad instincts versus his good instincts at all times. And I just love him. He's just so charismatic, that actor to me. That role made me fall in love with him. I like him in everything he's in. Um, I just love him. And he's somebody that most people don't even know who he is. So uh, he's really the reason I love that show so much. He's he's a great character. Right? He's very interesting. Um, Killing, I've, I'm through the first two seasons. I want to get back and watch the last yeah. two. Because uh, I know they, they are different cases. and pro- They're really interesting, I'm sure. Yeah, probably wisely. I think that show overall, I get the frustration people had with it. Uh, especially leading in. But I, I think it is sad. You should get back and finish it. The, I think oh, I the will. finale has both a saw that coming part of the ending and then a surprise part of the awesome. ending. So, uh, yeah, he's a good character. But, I, I yeah, not not one... Well, a lot of people haven't seen The Killing. Right. Uh, so, okay, cool. So next up, after Closet, we have Animated. And okay. now this is a chance to look... Obviously... We've had some, well, I think maybe just me, but we've had animated characters elsewhere in this list, but this is just looking specifically at characters from animated series and which ones we think are, are among the best. So, Kevin? Okay. So, I yeah, this uh, this is one a category I actually pitched because I'm like, oh, this uh, is... Uh, when you start so many... going through the list, yeah. you start to see a lot of them pop right, up. Right, like, if you right. look at other people's lists for inspiration, right. you start to see a lot of animated characters like Homer Simpson. Right, right. Like that, right. right. Um, so there was a lot of contenders, um, you know, of course, I mean, we grew up in the 90s, so I grew up on all the superhero animated shows, and so, I mean, Harley Quinn was a big, um, runner-up here, because, um, I don't know if a lot of people know, but she was created in the animated series, not in the comics, and then, um, so, so her, her status as a 
pop culture icon was born from Paul the minds of Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, and so um, that was a big runner up. Um, but the one I picked was Uncle Iroh in Avatar: Last Airbender. Um, yeah. Oh wow! Because, I don't even know that person. Oh really? Did you I ever watch Avatar? Avatar a little bit? So he's um, Zuko's uncle and oh, um, right. the Fire Lord's brother. There are so many things I love about Iroh. Um, first off, you know Zuko has the most interesting arc um, of anyone in Avatar because he's that character that um, has the constantly going back and forth between good and bad. Um, and especially when you see, um, in the flashback back episode in season one, where you learn when, um, uh, fa- oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. So something bad happens with him and the fire Lord, his dad. Um, and so, um, he has this, uh, con- continuous sort of Vader like arc to him. Um, and, and Iroh is always there, um, guiding him. And what I love about Iroh He's like this wise old mentor kind of figure, and he's a badass too. His fighting is just—I mean, his fight scenes are great. Awesome. Um, but what I, I think really—he's the, the Obi Wan. Yeah, he's very much the Obi Wan, and you know, I think some people might ask, like, author, they're like, "Why doesn't he just leave the Fire Nation?" And because he's such—I mean, he obviously doesn't really stand by with the values of right. his brother and the Fire Lord. But what I love about him is that he's so devoted to Zuko. And believes in him and one knows that he can change that I think that's why he stays with him for that long because he knows that he can have an influence on him and on somebody guide very him important. and right and help steer him in the right direction. Um so I just love everything about his current character. He's perfect in dramatic moments, he's perfect in um I mean he has he's a great comedic relief, particularly in the earlier seasons. Um there's just like I mean he's an Obi Wan. There's just there's just everything about Iroh is just fantastic. Um and Last Jedi is one of my favorite and not only animated shows, but just shows in general. Awesome. Rich okay. So um mine go way back for me, uh, to when I used to watch cartoons a lot rather than like modern car- modern, like more adult oriented <laughs> cartoons. Um and uh my uh my runner up um is was really close on this one. Um but uh it's Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. From Batman the Animated Series, sure. uh, especially like in certain episodes, like like uh, you know he just it made, that was my introduction to the Batman character was that series, yeah. And mm-hmm. what a great introduction it was, sure. It's just such a great character. Um, the voice acting is so incredible. Who was it that did Kevin that? Yeah, I, thought Kevin that I thought it was him. Yeah, the voice acting is just so great. The plots are so great, but he really is a detective on that show. Oh yes, and really, I really founded my love for that character and his detective nature. So that's my runner up. My number one pick, though, is the character that I always related to the most. So this would be relatable as well, but I didn't pick it for relatable. But um, would definitely be uh, Donatello from yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was Are my favorite. Are you talking the, the um, very original series? Because okay, cool, that was cool. my sure, sure. turtles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also loved Splinter um, a lot, and I really like. I loved that character. He would be on my list as runners up. But Donatello was the one. Everyone had a favorite turtle, right? My turtle was by far Donatello. Oh, he was Donatello. the thinking turtle. Uh, he was the computer oriented geeky turtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved him. I loved the purple. Uh, I liked everything about that character. I had the figures. I, lo- I just loved him. It's like Donatello sure. does machines, <laughs> you know, and I just, I, I love that character. So anyway, um, there's not too much to say about that except that when I was a kid, Donatello was my, you know, oh, my yeah. hero. Um, yeah, so I had all four figures and Shredder and all I'm that. Lucky. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I wanted them all. But yeah. Anyway, Donatello uh, with a bullet. Cool. cool. Uh, so for me, I went with... 
runner-up, I had Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers because I just love that character. I've honestly considered. Wish her name wasn't Belcher, but <laughs> well, that's the family I name. Know. Uh, on a show full of great characters, um, of the main characters, Tina is my favorite. I, I, I just love her. She's she's fantastic. She reminds me of me in a lot of ways. Uh, so she could have gone on the relatable thing for me as well. But interesting, that this is happening. Uh, I just really enjoyed that character. I've considered going for as her for Halloween. Really? Uh, yeah. I just Liz has not agreed to do that. Like I'm like, we'll do a couple's costume because she likes doing those. I'm like, I'll be Tina. You can be whoever from that show. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just I love that character. Another one that I have a sketch of. Not surprisingly. Uh, and Do so you? that was, yeah, well, I have the whole family. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, so that was my runner-up. My main, my favorite animated character, and this is, is possibly a weird one, but, uh, I went with Lavernius Tucker from Red vs. Blue. Uh, I... Fair enough. Love that series. It's Machinima, and, you know, it uses the Halo game engine to make animated, you know, it's kind of barely, puppetry. barely animated, but... <laughs> Not not these days. Okay. Now it's full CGI, like okay. some of the best action spectacle. Heck, it's better than some of the action you see yeah. in Halo games. It's better than the animation in uh, Zero Time Dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I love Tucker. Um, he is the you know source of many an inappropriate joke. Nice. You know his catchphrase for the longest time: "Bouch ka bow wow." I have whipped that out at any opportunity, especially in the first five seasons. Oh, nice. Uh, but he also has one of the greatest arcs in the whole series. Like he goes from. Like, the whole point of Red vs. Blue is it's a bunch of incompetent soldiers, but over, you know, they're now in their 14th season, uh, and fourth, well, actually, this season's more anthology, but they've had, like, three main, four main sagas of the show, and uh, he's the guy who found the sword, and he's become one of the most competent warriors, and he's had to grow up, and he's still kind of a joking, carefree guy a lot of the times, but he steps up when he needs to and can get in and really tussle, and, and, and it's just, for me... There's no other character I love as much, except maybe Agent Washington, but I remember when the Chorus trilogy, which was seasons 11 through 13, were going on, he became kind of the main character in a way he'd never been before, and I absolutely loved that. I loved seeing him... The Chorus trilogy. Chorus. Like, yeah. It was the planet they get stranded on. Oh, okay. Um, and so that whole trilogy is really a high watermark for, I think, the whole series. I it's, thought the it's one fantastic. that was your favorite. No, Project Freelancer? What was, what was before that one? Uh, the Recollection. I like both of those. They're probably my two favorites. My favorite season of the whole show is probably... Well, it's a toss-up now. Season 6 was. Now it might be season 11 or 12. Oh my god, I didn't know this. Or 12 or 13. I didn't know the 11, 12, and 13 era was what you were really digging. I didn't realize yeah, that. Um, but I love Tucker. I think he's a great character with a lot of surprising depth and nuance. He's got his alien son. He's got the sword. Got all his dirty jokes. Um... Nice I, I love have. that character, yeah. Uh, and I haven't I haven't seen much of this season because again it's the anthology season, so I'm kind of waiting till it's done because it's all they basically okay. got a bunch of different creators from across the internet to make their oh, own okay. episodes and stories. Uh, and so it's a weird season, and I'm hoping that when it returns with season 15, we'll get back to the main saga. I think that's what the plan is. But for now, uh, just Tucker over 13 seasons of Red versus Blue. I love the guy. Favorite animated character. Nice. Kind of a weird one. I guess I'll start the next one. Yeah, take us to Relatable. Okay. And what did you mean... How did you take this? So I took Relatable as a character that... Well, I I took it different depending on the character you're talking about. Um, That's fine. So I have three picks. um, And, uh, you know, it's... I can't really say which one's my favorite. It's going to be tough. But I'll just say the three and then see if I can make some sense of it. Um, They were Tyrion Lannister. Um... Elliot uh, from how I'm, uh, from Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. 
and who's the main character's name? I can't believe I forgot it. And How I Met Your Mother. Um, Ted Mosby? Yes, Ted Mosby and How I Met Your Mother. Um, I'd say if I had to say just fundamentally the one I can relate to the most of any show I've ever watched, it might be Ted Mosby on that show. Okay. And I've only seen about three seasons of it, but for some reason, everything he goes through, like I'm like, that is so the way I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he's so good at, at being that perspective character you know and and i just i just love him on that show he says like smart things so often he says the kind of witticisms that i think up a lot um just in that way he you know of these relatable ones he's maybe not my favorite i like him a lot but he is one that is just so relatable to me um Tyrion, i love that he's on this list because he couldn't be different further from me in his life situation uh, he was, you know, uh, born with, uh, you know, a very different type of, as a very different type of person with a very different stature. In uh, in, in one way, you know, in his physical uh, appearance, he's he's very different. Uh, he's wealthy as hell, so in that way, he's also very different. Um, he's uh, dealing with politics and you know being in office and all of that kind of stuff. So that's different. He's also a soldier at times. That's different. He couldn't be more different from me. But at the same time, when I look in his eyes on that show, I can feel his pain. I can feel his struggle, mm-hmm. and I understand what it would feel like to be him. So for a character to be so divergent from me in every way, but also incredibly relatable, just makes him a really great pick. But I would have to say that number one would be Elliot from Mr. Robot. At least right now for me, uh, the way that I feel about the world, minus that. You know, uh, organized religion rant that it's just like whatever. I mean, I just, I just, I, I'm, I'm not like the most religious person, but I also like don't feel as strongly like that. But all the way that he just thinks everything is so phony and fake, and mm-hmm. big corporations own the world, and you know what's the point anymore, and and all the analogies he uses to, to describe human interaction. Now, I'm not like he is socially awkward. I'm very outgoing, but when it comes down to it, I feel very similarly about the world as the way he does. Not as dark. But in a lot of the views, I agree with very much so. So to me, when I hear certain things, like he's like, we all have, you know, these walls that we put up that you can't really peek over. I peek over everyone's walls. I don't obviously don't hack either. But he's like, he's like, but uh, I can see, you know, who she is, but she'll never see mine. And just the way he's very secretive and doesn't really let his truth out very often, but he's evolving and growing. I just relate to his struggle and I relate to the way he sees our modern world uh, in a way that I haven't with a character in a long, long time. Sure. So I say Elliot gets the pick okay. uh, with uh, with uh, Ted Mosby and uh, from How I Met Your Mother and Tyrion Lannister from Game of Thrones as runner up. Cool. Okay. Uh, so for me, I went very strictly like the character I think reminds me the most of myself. Uh, so this was self judgment, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, my runner up was Ben Wyatt from Parks and Recreation. Ah, uh, oh, he's cool. I, I I feel like I have a lot in common with him, both in terms of. Having a lot of geeky interests, but knowing that, you know, when, when it's time to work, you work, and having, the, you know, the drive for that, um, and just, he he's a really great character in terms of, of I, honestly, he also makes him one of the funniest characters as a result, because I just see, the way he reacts to certain situations uh, reminds me of myself, so that's where I kind of went with that one, uh, but my main one I went with was Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother. Um, not surprisingly, I see a lot of myself in this show in general, because it has very stru- you know it, it it is definitive of my sense of humor and where i get a lot of my references and all of that but uh, in high school specifically we just saw a lot of parallels like between my main friend group and the show mm-hmm. um me to marshall kelsey to robin friend of the show adam to uh ted mosby and so it was just 
we, we could see a lot of similar things. And just the way Marshall is, how defensive he is of his friends, how goofy he can be, and how neurotic at times, like, the the way he's super singy and, like, likes to make all those jokes, mm-hmm. and then the way his relationship with Lily is uh, structured. It's just... I, I, I see a lot of myself in that character, specifically in a show that I, I feel like has contributed a lot to my personality and sense of humor. Uh, and so... I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's one of my favorites because I do think there's some self-reflective stuff in there. It's a little tough to, to face, but I, I really do like Marshall a lot and, and just any of his storylines can can hit the hardest for me. So I'm, I'm a big fan of him as relatable. Cool. Kevin? Okay, Um. so yeah, I'm also going uh, to... We're, uh, we're adding some similarities here, but runner-up, I, pro- I would have to say Ted is a runner-up too. Oh, wow, um, yeah. I, like, I mean, not like... I like to think I'm in the earlier season. I love making fun of how like uh, just self-deprecating he is yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But it's also I'm like, yeah, I've been, I can't deny him. I've been there before. About yeah. like, I mean, like wondering about when I meet the right girl. All the just all these things, yep. and you know, am I in where I should be in, in life right in now? Life and right. In careers and all those things. He just like I mean. He's I mean, he's um, creative and he's trying to apply that right. creativity to the real world. Exactly. Like in a lot, of, there are many instances where he's too over the top. And, but I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I've done awkward, plenty of awkward things like that that are just as that are really similar, you know. And yeah. I'm also total geek and everything. Um, if I had to pick another runner, I mean, um, oh, if I want to give myself like a, a superhero status, be Watson and Sherlock because I have a friend who. Uh, not joking is like has so many similarities with Sherlock that it's ridiculous because he has that kind of like just um, uh, not nearly as snobby but like if we were if there was a pair we could relate ourselves to it'd be Sherlock and Watson like totally you know like um, where he's just like wondering how the rest of the world isn't on the level of his mind and all that Um, and Watson just like you know, the more normal guy, you know, and so I really like that, but I would actually have to pick Ben as my um, number one, so, um, <laughs> Ben Wyatt, um, I just, wow. I love everything they do with Ben Wyatt, I mean, Adam Scott's performance, um, the way that, like Jordan said, um, geeky, but not, like, just so over the top that it, you fall into, like, Big Bang Theory status, you know, I mean, it's just like, and well, I mean, they make him a really fleshed out character, um, I love seeing him on screen. I love all his quippy jokes and when he corrects the staff when they make, you know, incorrect Game of Thrones or Star Wars references or something like that. Um, and just how delightful he is and um, is a joy to watch and all that. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know. For, I, I, one, one other thing I wanted to mention about him since you brought him back up is like, they're, they're just, just very specific things he does. Like when he's out of, um, and they're in my notebook, when he's like out of work and yeah. he's like, completely aimless and he's starting all the projects and right, he's not, right. like, not sure what he wants to do. I've exactly, been there so exactly, exactly. post-graduation and it just, that episode is like, <laughs> the episode of him with his little claymation animation is right. one of the funniest parts in the whole series. And he also holds like, um, like the whole of him being a kid mayor happened so long ago but he still holds that and, and can't let it go and all that. That neuroses, yeah. And yeah, it's, and it's just like... It's entirely yeah. relatable. Yeah. Uh, well, awesome. So, cool. there's relatable... So now we're going to move into the, I guess, big two, or, or at least the last big two that we have, uh, comedic and dramatic. Uh, so starting with comedic, I've got runner-up, I went with uh, Schmidt from New Girl. 
Uh, God, if, is he good? I didn't even think of him. Yeah, if you've God, seen is he New good. Girl, um, he could have gone supporting, too, although he's become he more also of a could focus have, yeah, He days. could have gone... He could have gone... He, he could be the lead character in a spinoff of that show. Yeah, Just I, Schmidt. He, he is a surprisingly fleshed-out character, but the way he takes Metropolitan, like, upper-class... You know, self self stylizing and all that, but then you know he's living in this loft with a bunch of people who just constantly you know make fun of him. There's the douchebag jar that uh, he's just he's just hilarious. Like he's one, he's the show's breakout character for good reason. Um, he the way he pronounces words, the way he, he the way he's such a neat freak, and he so like prunes himself to a fine point. You know, like every piece of hair is removed. Him and his kimono and just. Mm-hmm. Like, Everything he does, even when he's despicable, I mean, he's done. He does some shady things because, again, he's a bit of that uh, uh, ladies' man type at times. But you understand he's where he's coming most, from. He also was once fat, and so or overweight, I should say, and um, he has incredible insecurity. Yeah, and that's where you see the flaws he has. You understand where they come from, and he works on it throughout the series. But he's just a really fun character that's always funny. You can always count on Schmidt for either line delivery. Or content to deliver a great joke uh, in the moment, but with overall for for comedic, it's you know the instigator of, of all of the great comedic moments on Community. I went with Abed Nadir, played by Danny Cudi. Ah, hey. uh, what's there to say about Abed? I mean, I, I see some of myself in him because he is also a super pop culture obsessed, wants to make a career out of that, and his interests type of guy. But uh, he's also Middle Eastern, which connects to me, uh, and you don't see that many characters of Middle Eastern descent on television. But he's just, he is delightful. He gives that show its heart for the entire run. He's one of the characters that stuck around to the end. He also brings in all the meta. Yeah, Uh, to an insane degree. He's almost the reason in almost every case that the meta aspect of that show exists. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly the one to point it out. Certainly sometimes the one to bring it about. Um, And then, you know, he's also a character where, because of his social inadequacies, there, there are moments where it's dealing with him actually growing up. I mean, the third season is... Not my favorite season, but it's one of the best seasons in terms of giving the characters actual arcs and, and stakes that they have to go up with with his friend with Troy. And you could throw Troy in there, obviously, because Troy and Abed are, are kind of one of the best comedic duos on television uh, for as long as Donald Glover was on the show. But, uh, yeah, I just, I love Abed. I My favorite episodes tend to be Abed-focused episodes. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed Community's over, and I hope the movie can come back and give him more reasons to be... Super meta about everything. Is Dan Harmon still writing the movie? It's still working on yeah, it, but yeah. it, it seems, you know, it's very much a likely thing to have yeah, happen yeah. at some point. Sure. That whole cast probably just wants that self fulfilling oh, yeah. prophecy to fulfill, you right, know? Right. Just how cool will that be for the legacy that they well, said six seasons in a movie and season two or three? They can make it a Netflix movie, they can do, you know, oh, yeah. there's so many things they can do. There's options there. Uh, yeah. So, what'd you go with, with for comedic, Kevin? Okay, um, so there were a ton of runner ops because, I mean, you know, I, you I mean, like I, comedy. I love comedy. I mean, I uh, like um, Office and Parks and Rec were always one of my favorites. Um, I mean, going back to really before I really got into TV, I mean, my family and I always watched everybody was Raymond and all that. So, like, characters from that, like Robert, um, Marie, Frank, all those were really uh, runners up. Um, you've got Leslie from Parks and Rec, um, and Barney, probably my mother. There were a lot of runner up, but if I had to pick, I mean, I've got his bobblehead on my desk, Dwight Schrute. I mean, there, there was just yeah. no, there was no comment. I mean, like, I'm like, I can quote so many uh, Dwight Schrute quotes. I mean, it's just like, he's just the ultimate. What I love, I mean, what I, the, probably the best thing about The Office, people don't really, they're really not characters. They're fully, they're just like, 
the most bizarre characters you've ever seen, um, and that are hilarious, but they're not like you know, like Big Bang Theory. They're there's those are characters. They're not you know, and I mean, with Office, there's just so much quippy dialogue and things to love there. And Dwight just embodies all of that. He's just so spastic, and the way Rain Wilson delivered that performance is just phenomenal and flawless. And it's why it's so hard for to see him as anything else because he just was born to play that role. It's true. I mean, that, there's that other uh, show that they tried to have this year. I mean, I think he's yeah. had a couple false stars, right? In, right. In movies, uh, I think he was good. I in liked, Super. I but... like Super. Yeah, that's not, a, and that's not a comedy. You think it was, yeah. because, and oh, that's yeah. the other thing because he's so attached to this guy. They're like. Oh, Rain Wilson in a superhero movie, that's gotta be a comedy. It's actually very, well, he very tried, dark. He tried yeah. to do that horrendous detective show. Uh, Backstrom. Oh, oh yeah, it was yeah, so yeah, bad. It was yeah, him yeah. as a cigar chomping yeah. racist asshole. Yeah. And yeah. it was just like the last thing that he right, should be doing. Right, it was right. terrible. Right. But yeah, I mean there's just so many great Dwight Shirt moments. I I mean You couldn't even start to count yeah, them, yeah. I mean if I, I think a favorite line is where he says, um um when they're at Phyllis's wedding and he says the Shroots have our own family traditions. We have our weddings standing on our own graves. You know, um, it makes the funerals quite romantic, but weddings are a bleak affair. And then in the finale, when he and Angela get married, they have they have their wedding on their grave, like at their grave. <laughs> that's cool. And it's just yeah. So that's yeah, really Dwight cool. all the way. Awesome, awesome. Am I up? You are up. Comedic characters. Okay. Rich. So um, as runners up, um, again, it's very hard for me to talk a lot about how much I liked Carrie Bradshaw, only because um, she's a runner up. But like old me loved her. You know what I mean? Like I haven't watched that show in forever. I don't really relate to it anymore. But I know that it was very formative in the in in what I love in comedy was was her in that in that show. You ever take that deep dive on the Carrie Diaries? Yeah, I tried it. I tried starting it. <laughs> wow, I really? Did. I, yeah, I watched the first couple episodes, but I couldn't get. Oh, there. sure. Couldn't get there. Um, anyway. Um, my real runner-up is Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, that is sort of a drama, but she is always saying something hilariously quippy, really clever, really smart, really funny. She's just a great comedic actress, uh, Kristen Bell is. And I love Veronica Mars. I think that show is a, just a masterful mix of comedy and drama. And her and she, her comedic instincts are spot on. She's so sarcastic and so funny and so fun. Love her. Um, but my number one pick um, uh, for comedic uh, in a show, um, by far number one with a bullet, is Richard Castle. Um, <laughs> I think that Nathan Fillion in that show um, is everything I want from a comedic performance. He's got drama. He's got gravitas. He's got great remarks. He takes any part of life and relates it to a movie or a TV show. Any case there is, he's like, ooh, it's like Hannibal. Ooh, it's like this. It's like that. He always is relating it to a movie or a TV show. He's always funny. He's so lovable and likable. Um, I just love that character. He drives that show so well, especially his relationship with Beckett. And he switches between comedy and drama so brilliantly. I love that character. And I love the way his comedy never feels out of place in real life. So you have a show that you're watching where he, there's a lot, ton of... Com- it's like really is a comedy drama, dramedy, right? And 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 yet... There's never a joke that's thrown in there just to be like like a sitcom would, where it's like, here's a joke for a joke's sake. It's always like life comments, and his jokes are always like him saying something and then like thinking about how ridiculously uh, forced it was, you know. And he'll make some, you know, he'll use some old like like dorky expression. He'll be like, "Did I really say that?" Or you know, you'll do a portmanteau. 
uh, and and it'll be like uh, you know oh I went there you know it's like that kind of thing I just I love him in that and so for comedic performances on TV currently I would have to say uh, Castle awesome brings us to our final category going from comedic to dramatic Kevin what are your picks for dramatic characters so this was another had several runners up um, among them being two from Breaking Back because obviously Walt um, you know I mean one of the greatest mm-hmm. arcs of all time. Um, Hank as well, though, because what I love, I always love about Hank was each character in Breaking Bad has their flaws, but Hank was a little, try to be a little more grounded, a little more rug, and I, I mean, you got to see definitely his ugly side, too. I love um, him in that show. But, yeah, and the reason, um, that the episode where he dies is such a penultimate episode is that you feel so much emotion there, and Ryan Johnson directed it. Um, I'm mean, gonna shout out for Jordan right there, um, and I mean flawlessly. Um, and so it was tough doing those. Um, I also haven't watched a lot of Mad Men. I've gone through some of the earlier seasons, but um, Peggy was um, high up there too. Um, I really love just her as a character and um, how they portray women at the time and um, class struggles and all that. Mm-hmm. That show, it's amazing. But if we're, I gotta go with Tyrion. I mean, um, there's this. A lot I know of Game we, of Thrones love. I know week. we gotta go into, but I mean, you know, I've talked about, I've written a lot before and podcast about, you know, disability portrayal in media, um, and how poorly it's done so often. But with Tyrion, they make, you know, again, like, um, you know, crazy circumstances and everything in this fantasy world and all that, but they make him just so strong, and Peter Dinklage's performance is phenomenal. Um, and there's just, I mean, it, it, there's not much other to say other than, you know, just like what Rich said earlier, um, there's just so much to love about how he deals with the circumstances, how, um, and how he evolves too. He starts out, um, as just this, like, uh, I'm just gonna have fun in life, kind of, you know, yeah. and, um, uh, with women and all, and then you see him evolve more into a hero and break away from his family, um, you know really not succumb to any of their um plans or anything like that and he just really he's i mean even in the ross Foss game of thrones he's the reason to keep watching daenerys too of course but right for me too awesome okay well um i have uh three picks two of which have already uh, been wrapped on my list elsewhere um so my uh one of which hasn't and i'm gonna go with that one first because it's my runner-up um and that is uh rust cole from True Detective Season 1. I like both of them. I mean, it's hard to say that, that um, uh, Woody Harrelson's character is, like, my favorite anything. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like, it's their relationship is almost the character of that show. I mean, it is the character of that show. Really nothing else matters. Um, the, show's, the, the show's setting and tone is good. The story's eh. The characters are amazing on that show, and they make it. But especially Rust Cole. And I, and I know that it was said somewhere that, like, a lot of his... Um, what do you call it? Um, theories, his um, his viewpoints, his his way of seeing the world and time as a flat circle, and all those kind of concepts about how inevitable things are and all and how things cycle back and forth and, and just the way he talked. 
uh, he's just so fascinating, riveting to watch. A lot of that stuff came from a certain philosopher. A lot of his philosophies come from like this one philosopher, and and the uh, the guy who does that show uh, has said, you know, Nick Piccolato, Pizzolato, he has said that it comes from this guy. He's not mm-hmm. denying it, but so it, he took some philosophies. The writer took some philosophies of this really great guy. I forget his name. And like m- turn that into part of a really deep character, a guy who's conflicted, a guy who tries to connect with people, women especially, and mm-hmm. just can't properly, a guy who has great motivations but ends up doing terribly destructive things um, to himself, especially. Um, he's he just self damages himself, and and you know he's just a really really great character. But more than anything, he's so compelling to watch. God, is it fun to watch Russ Cole speak. You guys have all seen his speeches, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't watched True Detective. You saw none of it. I think Your I watched clips? the first 20 minutes. Okay, well, you've seen a little bit of him talking yeah, in that room. I, I, yeah, I don't remember Did much of it. Did you watch season it. two yet? I haven't watched it. No, I have it on DVD, and I've seen the first episode, and I yeah. like it, actually. Uh, yeah. I'm going in with incredibly low expectations, and that's a good thing. So it may end up being okay for sure. me. Um, anyway, my other two picks are uh, Tyrion Lannister and Elliot. Uh, from uh, Mr. Robot. I'd say pretty much 50-50 on those. Um, I just, for all the reasons I mentioned before, uh, Tyrion is, I mean, in modern TV, I, I mean, I definitely think he has to go on the top 10 list for best characters of all time. Um, I just do, I just think he's just a phenomenal character. And it's when, it's like lightning striking with that character. Here is a character who, the perfect actor, found the perfect role at the perfect time in the world. And all three came together to make this just dramatically masterful thing. Um, and, I mean, it's just like here was an actor of, of short stature who wasn't getting the juicy roles because they didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And here was Game of Thrones, this book series about a character, a, a dwarf, is that what they call them in the in the, in the book? Yeah, he's they got it, yeah. a dwarf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that needed a great guy to play it. And then boom, the two come together and one found the other. Both, you know, things that that were that needed the right fit and they came together so brilliantly. And then he took that and just rose it up to 11. I mean, just so good and continues to be good at least the part that I've seen. Uh I don't hear anybody complaining about Tyrion you right. know, even to this day. I mean, no. he's 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 just great. Uh I was a little bummed that his face got all scarred the f up, but uh, <laughs> you got to deal with these at least he's not dead. Uh at least at least what I saw. Um Obviously, Elliot, I mean, for all the reasons I mentioned, he's just, as far as an icon of today's, um, uh, you know, fears and anxieties in the modern era, he is the perfect icon slash avatar slash representation of all of those fears and the way we all feel, or a lot of us feel, towards the world and and technology and and the way things are going. Uh, So I think uh, it's just... um, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal role that Rami Malek was born to play. And I'm just glad that Esmail had the insight and the uh, genius to cast him. Uh-huh. You know, and especially, you know, he's a very odd-looking dude, Rami yeah. Malek. He's very different oh, yeah. for a leading man on TV. Very, very uh, unique-looking. Exactly. And I love that. He Absolutely. comes out as soon as you start hearing him. He's like, man, this guy is so charismatic. This sure. guy is so cool. So he is my pick for... Uh, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say right now at this snapshot in time, Elliot is my pick for... Okay. Uh, best dramatic uh, okay. character. Uh, awesome. So I, I went different directions, and that Tyrion is not on my list. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nice. I nice. I mean, I, I was debating whether because I figured everyone would pick it, but yeah. I, I mean, sometimes you, you feel yeah, so strongly just, you know, to, to just, deny the obvious right. choice. Sure. Um, so run out for me is uh, Edward James Olmos as Bill Adama on Battlestar oh, wow. Galactica. Wow. Okay. He's the anchor for the fleet. 
he's the anchor for that entire show, and uh, he he. It's hard to talk about the performance. Um, it, it's fantastic. He embodies everything. He holds strong when he has to, um, which makes every moment where he can privately break down a little bit all the more tragic. Um, he he has a sense of right about him that even when you know he's he's having to compromise, you understand why he's doing it. Um, I mean, it's a well, it's an amazingly well written character, obviously, but uh, the performance Edward James Olmos gives uh, it elevates it to just a next level. I, I think Battlestar is full of great characters. I mean, I mentioned another one on this list. I could have talked about Starbuck or uh, any of the certain Cylons. There's a lot of great characters, but as far as dramatic, strong performances. Uh, Adam is a big part of why Battlestar is one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, but for for the lead, I couldn't go with anything else. I mentioned it vaguely on my villain list that this would probably be the top villain. But there is no show, or there was no show on television like Hannibal. And a lot, pretty you know, aside from other things, it came down to Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal nice. Lecter. Nice, it's understandable. I mean, yeah, it's... it's. What, what can I say? I've talked about Hannibal before. It's a fantastic show, but Mads plays Hannibal as as in a way that you understand why he would get away with not being caught for so yeah, long. Yeah. He's a genius character who never... Who, all of his decisions make sense. Like, even when he makes things that you would say are a dumb decision, he's so self-confident, he just wants to see what happens. That's in the pilot. And he talks about later on that he does things just to see what would happen because he sees everyone beneath him is like things to be played with and um i was never a big hannibal fan before this show a big part of what got me to watch it was brian fuller who i've you know called out in the past as my favorite showrunner uh but uh, and 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 the the reason being i'm i'm just i was never that interested in the silence of the lambs movie or any of the other films with anthony hopkins and not to say Did anthony hopkins books? i haven't read the books okay. no. um not to say anthony hopkins is bad as as hannibal but he was always he was playing him in that like post-caught state where he was kind of just already discovered. So we never got he to see. He doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. We yeah, don't. Yeah. We, we don't get to see. He's maybe a little over the top, and we don't get to see why how he pulled it off. Like if you just see Anthony Hopkins in those cells, it's like how did anyone not see him as a crazy person? Um, Hannibal Lecter, you like Hannibal's the sort of guy who's so smart and so self-confident well, that he, you you want to you like him and you want him to like you. And yeah, and well, he's also he's found a role in life as a, as a therapist. The psychologist that fits perfectly with all of his eccentricities and gives him the perfect disguise. Yeah, he Mads knocks it out of the park. Um, that him being Danish gives Hannibal this like foreign, unknown quality. Just because we don't see a lot of Danish actors on our no. television screens. Um, but beyond that, he's just he's fantastic. I it's it's a career defining performance. Like it's, he'd obviously been seen before. He was in Casino Royale. Now, he's, the in, now he's in like every movie. Yeah, now he's in Doctor Rogue Strange, One, Rogue, Rogue One, One. Uh, plenty of other parts on the horizon. But it's just him as Hannibal Lecter across three seasons. It's a perfect performance. He captures it beautifully and makes Hannibal Lecter into. I always I always heard Hannibal Lecter is like one of the great characters. And I never fully got it until this interpretation of it of, of why he's so great. And I just. Mads knocks it out of the park on that show. Uh, so, for me, number one dramatic character, nice. uh, Hannibal Lecter. Nice, you went nice. with a villain. Yeah. Nice pick. They, they sometimes are the best. Oh, yeah, they are. I gotta agree. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta agree. Grant Ward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, wow, what great lists. That was. That was yeah, really a lot fun. of good characters there. Fun. 
Um, very cool. Well, um, why don't we? Uh, I don't want to. You know, in the past we've been talking a little bit about what articles we have up, but because we're sort of working on order of when these are coming out, let's not let's not date this episode that badly like that. Uh, it's not that big a deal. I mean, I, not a whole lot's come out, but, but there's always new stuff is worth saying. Yeah, there's always a lot uh, of great. You know, new go articles. to the Joy of Gaming Got more of the uh, the Joy of Geek dot net. Yes. Mine's still on the old site. Uh, you know, we've been doing TV reviews, movie reviews. We're gonna have other articles, game content, top five lists, all uh, kinds of good stuff. Um, I did want to mention that yeah. I brought back uh, the sequel slump from the previous site with a classic article looking at Insect Armageddon from Ooh. Earth Defense Force. Uh, and I, I love the sequel that. slump. I think that will be fun, fun. cuz now we can expand it to other genres. That's true. Uh, we can do films and comic ones, maybe not TV so much, but uh, it, well, it's, sequel it's a sequel slump would kind of work for heroes. That's true. <laughs> uh, that, that's true. There aren't a lot of TV sequels, sequel but slump, they exist. Sequel slump obviously being uh, when you have a great first season or first movie or first video game or first run of comics or whatever it could be. Yeah. Uh, you, to something is great, and then something that follows it is not so great. And that is uh, across all mediums. Happens. It, it does. Uh, it but the site's does. there. It's full of great content. I like the Star Wars uh, trilogy and the prequel trilogy, for example. <laughs> Another way to look at it. Anyway, go ahead. But uh, so there's all that stuff there. You can find us uh, at twi- on Twitter at the Joy of Game. Facebook, The Joy of Geek, slash The Joy of Gaming. Uh, you can find me personally at Indigo Master on Twitter, at E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R. Uh, that has links to all my articles, uh, all of my TV reviews on TV Equals, and you can also just my general ruminations and thoughts on mostly pop culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, jordanalseka.tumblr.com is sort of my hub site for all writing things. So that's me. Cool. Yeah, you can fi- also find me on Twitter at kwshafe. That's K-W-S-C-H-A-E-F. I also post all my articles there from um, here and all that's epic and any other rambling thoughts I have. Awesome. And you can also find uh, my writing on thejoyofgeek.net as well as uh, I write all of our show notes on thejoyofgaming.com but it's really just our podcast page um, as well as um, at Rich Lepore on Twitter uh, needs a little more content lately, but uh, check it out. The little porcupine you'll find. He's friendly. <laughs> I promise he won't prickle you. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's that's that. Um, so we are. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit on our gaming episode, but uh, we are moving to a schedule where we're going to at least have an episode every week, if not more than that. Um, and you are pretty much going to be guaranteed to get uh, either video game. No, excuse me. Either uh, TV, movies. Um, or comic books episode, uh, focused episode each week uh, and we'll definitely make sure that we have at least one of each type a month or we'll, something like that something to that effect yeah sure. well, you know it depends on what comes out obviously very uh, coming up real soon we have um, you know some big movie reviews we want to do um, we have some gaming stuff we want to do anything else you want to mention about the future of the podcast or... uh, just that gaming episode should be bi-weekly yeah that, that should be the plan every other week you can Look forward to hearing uh, Rich, Kelsey, and I discussing gaming in some form or another. Uh, we finally got Skype figured out for that. Nice. Uh, our, our first, if you listen to that first episode, it, we had a few, well, a few technical problems, yeah. but we're, we're figuring we're, it out. We're, Nothing we're, too bad. We're iron in the mount, um, but it, hopefully it'll sound decent, um, get it mixed down nicely and uh, and out there to everybody. Uh, Kevin, you anything you want to talk about future podcast stuff? Um, nothing. I mean, we'll be seeing Suicide Squad later on. Um, depending on the order of when we release yeah, these, but one of the one of these will come out first. Um, 
Yeah, I'll be writing more comics and movies, articles, all that. Awesome. I've been really enjoying um, what you've been writing so far. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. All right. Well, on that note, um, we are the Joy of Geek podcast. Um, this is the T- Joy of TV. Uh, I'm Rich Lepore. Jordan Alseka. Kevin Schaefer. And, uh, oh, and also uh, Kelsey is also the Joy of Geek podcast, uh, but more on the gaming side. But uh, anyway, uh, we will see you all uh, in a week or less. Thanks. Bye-bye.